Welcome to episode 14 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. It is Monday, June 17th. Monday? It is Monday, June 17th, 2013. <laughs> and, uh... <clears throat> Paul had a Who shot. are you, anyway? <laughs> Paul had a shot before the podcast, so that explains the slurred speech. My name is Paul McGinty. I am here with Ian Sharpley. Hello. And Matt Cassell. Hi. And tonight we're going to dive into a subject that we've been waiting since we started this whole podcast business to get into. This is episode one of a three-part podcast series involving Star Wars. Episode one, which is our episode 14, will surround the prequels. It's like the symmetry. What prequels. is 14? <laughs> <laughs> so before we get into these Star Wars prequels. Let's let's do a little housekeeping with Ian Sharpley. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, there was a website. It was called <laughs> mcsauce.com and people it was it was like a revelation. People came came from miles around to go to their computers or mobile devices to go and see mcsauce.com and they would say things like, you know, may mcsauce be with you and or McSauce is strong with this one. 70s phenomenon. And, and, and people loved it, and, and, it, and it spawned toys and movies and all kinds of spin-off merchandise. But then something funny happened to McSauce.com, <laughs> and they started writing characters in there specifically for children, big, huge, gaping plot holes, ridiculousness. They would go back, and they would write things that didn't make sense with the earlier episodes. So... Poor McSauce. Unfortunately, McSauce.com fell the way of uh, the Star Wars franchise. But you can still, even if you aren't a fan anymore, you can go back and revisit the classic McSauce the, the episodes. Loose, the loose McSauce continuity is pretty tight. If you only pay attention to the website and the podcast and not the other things around it, usually you can you can stay clear of any bullshit. You can uh, listen to the true McSauce canon. You can, you can listen to our podcast on Wednesdays. You can go to mcsauce.podomatic.com. Check us out on Stitcher Radio. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Write a review. Tell us what you like about Star Wars or Superman or comic books or life. Hot dogs. Anything that you want. I like hot dogs. Follow, follow us on Facebook. Like the page. You can react to us on Facebook. Uh, the best way to talk to us directly, because I know that you want to talk to us directly, on Twitter. At Gint underscore McSauce. At The Sauce. At Little Depressed Matt. Uh, I think next episode uh, will be... We'll be recording the next episode next Monday, the, June 24th. Go to the Facebook page. Go to our Twitter accounts. Live tweet us. It'll be around, probably around 8 o'clock. Uh, live tweet us. Ask us your questions about the original trilogy. We're going to talk about the prequels tonight. Um, you can ask us, and we're going to talk about the tri the original tri trilogy on the 24th. Ask us again any Star Wars questions, any comic book questions, any personal questions, anything you like, fans. We'll answer them all. And um, be sure to check out the Moonlit Matinees at the Oaks Theater. This weekend, the 21st and the 22nd at 10 p.m., it's Scream featuring the lovely Halle Berry. 
Mm, her of Catwoman fame. I don't believe she's in that. Drew Barrymore. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Drew Barrymore, Rose McGowan, David Arquette. But no less lovely. And, uh, yeah, Halle Berry. I'm thinking Catwoman. I thought they were going to play Catwoman as a So you think Drew Barrymore and Halle Berry are comparable? Or Halle Berry and David Arquette? He is lovely as well. David Arquette is a lovely man. He is. So, I think that it's time for us to get into the uh, Star Wars prequels, episodes 1, 2, and 3, and uh, talk about some of the feelings that we have about them. So let's start with a little word association. Matt, why don't you give me one word you would use to describe the Star Wars prequels, and Ian, let's save our uh, detrimental comments until after he tells us his word and explains himself. We have all night to be mean to each other. My word is polarizing. Mmm. Mm. A very good word. Thank you. Ian, what that basically means is there are... Since you're an idiot. Two sides... Well, I heard his intro, <laughs> so I assume. There are two sides to the spectrum. There are... People that don't like the movies, and then there are the, people that the, do. The light like side of the force, and then the dark side of the force. There are people that don't like the movies, and then there Jedis. are people that. It's Jedi. <laughs> There's no S at the end. Jedi's. I'm it's okay. Streets. It's okay. I'm fully prepared to be correcting you all night. <laughs> I have come prepared. Okay. <clears throat> so, yeah, polarizing. Ian, give me a word. Disappointing. Matt, what that means is, I thought it was going to be awesome and it sucked dick. Well, much like last week when I stole Matt's word, Ian stole my word. <clears throat> I got, I, I got, I don't have a word. You don't have a word. This was your idea. I thought you were going to say something like piece of shit and I was going to use the softer disappointing. You can say piece of shit. I don't want to say piece of shit. I'm supposed to be the, the soft mediator this episode. Wait, when did that happen? Because you like arguing and Matt likes the prequels. Correct. So that leaves me to mediate in the middle. Letdown? Synonym for disappointing, perhaps? <laughs> it's still two words. It's a compound word. Now let's go back, before we get into the fisticuffs that will ensue, let's go back to how you felt before you actually saw the movie, when you saw the trailer. The Phantom Menace? The Phantom Menace, episode one. We'll say, we'll start at the beginning. Do you want me to start? Yeah. This is all going to be positive for a while um, here, Matt. I was so excited to see the trailer for The Phantom Menace. The trailer premiered in November of 1998. Um, it was uh, attached to a couple movies in only about 50 theaters in the United States um, for about three days before it had its national release. Like, it was nationally released with, like, everything. I think it was attached to Wing Commander with uh, Paul's Freddie Prince Jr. I it do was, love Freddie Prince Jr. It was also supposed to be attached to Meet Joe Black. Yes, now, that is the movie that it was attached to two or three days. It was a Tuesday, I remember, because I skipped college. It was my freshman year in college. And I skipped my classes that day, so that way I could go out to the Carmike Theater in the South Hills of Pittsburgh. Shout out, yo. Because it was the... It was the only theater that was playing it in town. <clears throat> so it was either that or go to Philadelphia. So 
I made my very first trip out to the South Hills all by myself and got lost in the process. Like, to see Wing times. Commander? No. It was that particular day, before it had its big national release, it was attached to Meet Joe Black and Adam Sandler's The Water Boy. I opted to see The Water Boy, and it was attached. It showed uh, the first... It showed before the movie, and then if you stayed around after the credits, they showed it again. Oh, that's was, pretty awesome. It was pretty sweet. So... That's how big the coming of the Star Wars prequels was. Well, you have to understand, it was really before the internet had taken hold. Most people still had 56K, so nobody was downloading trailers. Um, I would relate the coming of the prequels to the second coming of Christ. Yeah, it's basically the same thing. There was a shit ton of hype. (laughs) Yeah, there was a lot of hype, so... Are we really going to be that disappointed when Jesus Christ comes back? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) So, um, when he comes back white, I'm gonna be pissed. Well, how about with you probably Sith lightsabers? You you probably will be disappointed because you're probably putting insane expectations on it, much like you did a certain movie. And he comes back and you're like, God damn, he is just a carpenter. (laughs) So, when I saw the trailer, when when I first got to the theater, there were a handful of geeks in there, and we were like, kind of asking each other, are you here for the Waterboy, or are you here for the Star Wars trailer? Like, everybody was there just for the Star Wars trailer. There so, were... like, like John Blake could smell the sadness on Bruce Wayne. You could smell the geekness on these other geeks. You could just see it. Yeah, it's a visual. So, um, there were, like, businessmen that were showing up, like, on their lunch break that just walked in, stood in the theater. Trailer went, and then they left. But, like, so, after they played the trailer... There was one geek sitting right near me, somewhere in the vicinity, and I just remember his reaction. He just, like, there was kind of, like, this stunned silence, and he just goes, holy shit, like, that looks really fucking good. So you just said that, um, I felt like you took a shot across mine and Ian's bowels when you, bowels of our ships, not bowels where we oh, poop from. <laughs> when you said, um, you know, the putting the unexpected... Or, you know, too high expectations on this movie. Correct. Would that... Were you saying even back then, you tempered your expectations? No. I would... I imagine you were just as excited as any other... Any other young buck for a new Star Wars movie. I was. So would you say it's fair that everybody put too high expectations on this movie? Um, I would say most people... But yeah. not, but not you. I know you just said that. But how did you temper your expectations after actually seeing it? Then, because it was still totally enjoyable to me. Fair, Fair. James. <laughs> so the businessmen came in. They watched. They watched the trailer and dipped. Yeah. And you and this other nerd hung out there were, until the end. There were a handful of other nerds. Yeah, we, we stuck around and watched The Waterboy, which in its own right is an entertaining movie. I love The Waterboy. Um, my favorite part of that movie is when he tackles the guy. And Henry Winkler goes, Can you do this for me on every play? And Adam Sandler goes, Not only will I do that for you, I, 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 yeah, yes, I'll do that for you. I love that part. Matt Cassell, everyone. That might have been the last... <laughs> that might have been the last really great Adam Sandler movie. Um, 
I consider the last one. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, you, you're not a fan of Billy Madison. It's okay. It's okay. I like Adam Sandler's later works. Yeah, I know. That's insane. I enjoyed. Grown-ups I enjoyed awful. Grown Ups quite a bit. God, I didn't damn, see, was that movie? Awful. I didn't see Jack and Jill. Jack and Jill looked fucking awful. But you know, I liked. Um, what that's that one where he has cancer. He's dying. Funny people. Funny people. I never saw that. It looks too sad. Um, I liked it. What was the one with oh anger management? Uh, with, I didn't uh, see it that was thing. it was good until the last ten minutes when they had that typical sappy cheese ball happy go lucky Adam Sandler ending because they were building it towards this incredibly dark kind of comedy and it was I loved where it was going and then all of a sudden they switched it back to like oh no everything's cool in the end we were just having some fun with Adam Sandler he completed this anger management program lame the, what's the movie the wedding singer with, um, also with uh, Drew Barrymore the wedding singer is my favorite not Halle Berry movie. What's the movie he just did no, with... No, with the lovely... Yeah. Yeah, Halle Berry. <laughs> What's the one he just did with uh, Jennifer Aniston and Brooklyn Decker's tits? Oh, I know what you're saying. <clears throat> I, I know which movie you're talking about, but I can't name it. Because I didn't see it. I like the commercial with Brooklyn Decker's bouncy boobs. Yeah. I have no idea what you're talking about. Sorry. Right. And this is a part of the podcast that um, a lot of people like, particularly my asshole brother. Who likes when we go off on a tangent about Adam Sandler when we're talking about the Star Wars prequels? <laughs> I would never call your brother an asshole. I know you wouldn't. That's why he gives you criticism. It doesn't bother <laughs> to tell me he's going to slam us behind my back. <laughs> so, Paul, um, how did you feel about the original trailer that came out? Because I remember watching it on TV. I don't. I, I remember trying to go see it at the theater. But the first time I saw the trailer was on TV. Probably like Entertainment Tonight or something like that. Something like that. It might have even been like a special on Fo- like Fox played it Maybe. or something. I know they did that for episode two. Yeah. They, but we'll get into that. I know I saw the trailer in the theater. I don't know what I saw it with. I don't know if it was that first weekend Matt saw it or if it was on something later. But I remember seeing it in the theater. And uh, man, was I excited. That first scene where... You see Naboo, and there's the fog, and the, the, Gungans the are animals rolling in start the... creeping out of the fog. I was like, holy shit. I don't know what's happening, but it looks it looks awesome. It looks so cool. Yep. Yeah, I came in my pants whenever Darth Maul sparked up the second side of his lightsaber. It looked fucking awesome. Oh, he looked, two lightsabers! He looked like the <laughs> devil, and it looked so badass. I loved it. Young Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. Got so his. much promise, so much potential. Even to this day, knowing how I feel about the Phantom Menace, I can watch that trailer and still, still kind of get excited. It takes me back to a uh, time when I was wiser and <laughs> didn't know so much about the Phantom Menace. And you were Menace. less wise? It's wiser. <laughs> I'm less wise now. Oh. I don't know how that makes sense. I don't get it, but okay. Yeah, the, uh, you know, it was just, it was just as, a, as a Star Wars fan... It was... Star Wars had been dead since, say, 86. Return of the Jedi has its... Comes out in 83. Has its three-year run. And everything... After 86, everything slowly died out. So by the time you get to... 99, when Phantom Menace came out... When did the... the, Well, I don't... don't, When they re-released them, it got a big fucking bump. And all the the, people that you didn't know, like Star Wars... When did the special editions come out? 97. So from 
from let's say eighty six to ninety. Why are you on eighty six? What what year do you what what year do you think Star Wars fell off the map? Hmm. Because for us, it never really did. Because we're Star Wars guys. But I don't know. I mean, culturally, I guess, I guess somewhere in the mid to late eighties, probably. Would you feel better if I said eighty nine? No. So Star Wars fell off the map, yeah. and it was kind of a cult thing at that point. There were there was no news, there was no word of new movies. George Lucas wasn't doing anything with the franchise. There was no animated series, no TV shows. You had a handful of PC <clears throat> games that people really liked: X-wing, yeah. fighter, yeah, and TIE were, fighter. In nineteen ninety-one, Timothy Zahn wrote the the book *Heir to the Empire*, which kicked off a new Star Wars trilogy, which continued right after *Return of the Jedi*, which was like a number one bestseller. And all that stuff was fairly underground. Well, that wasn't. It was a New York Times number one bestseller. Yeah, but to the to the general the general culture. Star Wars wasn't Star Wars wasn't back. It's not like No, not not it's like, like it was book hit and it's like holy fuck Star Wars is back. Right. It was still I mean it got bumped being that high on the bestseller list, but yeah. Star Wars was still kind of a cult thing. And that's what that's what I kind of gravitated to yep. during those days was that I could get a Rebel Alliance tattoo and no one would know what the fuck that was. Because it just wasn't so big and I kind of like that it was a, it was still a small community back then and there was nothing happening and then all the diehards that were kind of left right and then all of a sudden yeah. the special editions come out and they're being re-released in the, in the theaters and was that the first time an older movie was re-released like that it might have been but i no. like i like that bump that no. it had though mm-hmm. what else was released like that re-released yeah a lot of movies get re-released like I mean, Gone with the Wind. Well, what what he's saying is it they added new features to it. They changed some of they added some of the new updated CG with to that movie. Updated stuff. Yeah, and, I guess and I, they they I changed can't think of another they one. changed some musical parts about it. They did a lot of different stuff. They added deleted scenes and put in you know for good or bad, which we will get to next episode. <laughs> yeah, yep. but they they did all that, and at that point, I think you saw a lot of people come out of the woodwork and say, oh, yeah, oh. And the, I mean, the, and the hype from the special editions, I mean, the hype just grew. And, like, I was I was all in. Around that time, yeah. I started subscribing to Star Wars Insider magazine. Yep. Um, and it, I was, well, me, Ian, you and I were both working at different Toys R Uses. Yeah. Or, yeah, I, I guess we were. Yeah, I, I, I think... started working at Toys R Us in uh, 1998. I would say that you started somewhere around there. And right yeah. around that time, I remember one of the first things that I, I saw whenever I walked in. They had the big Millennium Falcon hanging in one of the feature shops. So they were bringing out the Power of the Force figures. Yeah. So it was there was a little bit of a buzz coming back with Star Wars. It was making its presence known again. And for the diehards that, had, that never left, Star Wars never left for any of us. This was, this was huge. Yep. And that just fed into all the hype and expectation of brand new Star Wars. Not a re-release movie, not a couple added scenes in Empire Strikes Back. One entire feature film of brand new shit. Not just one, but a trilogy. And not just any story. The story that they told of the origins of Darth Vader. 
and the kind of adventures that him and Obi-Wan Kenobi had. And you get to see, you finally get to see a young Anakin Skywalker as, as a good guy. And that would be different and original and all those things. You that... get to, you're going to get to see the times that Obi-Wan talks about yeah. in A New Hope. About the Clone Wars and about how him and Anakin were, you know, good buddies and succumbed to, by Darth Vader. And it was just, it was just so exciting to get, to get all, all of that stuff kicked off. Yep. They, they actually announced that the prequel trilogy was going to happen in 1994. Did they? And, yeah. And we thought that they were going to be out in 1997. I remember I bought an issue of, I think it was like Starlog magazine or something, because that's how you used to get your news back then. Yeah. There was no internet. So I can remember, like, the, it might not have been Starlog, but the, the cover of this sci-fi magazine said something like, um, the countdown to 1997, can you wait three years or something like that. And I don't uh, remember that at all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think it had a picture of the Millennium Falcon on it. And that was an exciting time. But then, you know, little did we realize that we were still, like, five years away from, from the new movie. Um, but yeah, they, they actually, I don't remember when they released the original Star Wars trilogy on DVD, or on VHS for like the millionth time. It was the one with those like black covers with the close-ups of the big heads, and they had the Leonard Maltin three-part interview at the end of them. Do you remember that? Was that, was it the re-released stuff in, in 97? No, it wasn't special edition stuff, because he... Lucas talks about doing the special edition stuff, and it's kind of like almost a prototype for what they're going to be getting into in the prequels. Yeah, I remember those coming out. I think I still have those yeah. VHSs I have, somewhere around. I have that. 80s VHSs, those VHSs, special edition VHSs, yeah. and then different DVD versions. And and I want to say that was 94, 95, somewhere in there, so Maybe. he was talking about right. the prequels at that point. You know, yeah. He said he's going to go back and do it, but they didn't really focus on that in the interview. but So, I mean, it was a long time. We were waiting. Once we found out they were doing it, I mean... So the trailer finally hits, and Star Wars fans are just going through the roof. Yep. And I... It's, it's hard to think of another movie that had so much expectation and promise attached to it than Phantom Menace. There's never been... I don't think there... There never will be another yeah, movie with I would agree with Matt on that. There's there's absolutely no way, because it was a series that was so beloved, um, and we also had a period of time where we, we didn't think that we were ever going to see another Star Wars film ever again. Right. Um, and, and then a and generation we, later... And now we all wish that's how it would have been. <laughs> Not all of us. Not, Not all, all of us. us. Not all of us. So then, Phantom Menace comes out. Where did we? Where did you all go see it? I know that I went to go see it at uh, Cinemas East in Monroeville um, that night, that midnight, with my girlfriend at the time, who hated Star Wars, <laughs> but came and came pick me up from Toys R Us. Why uh, would you? Why would you pick that person to go see it with? That person picked me. She was like, "All right," as a gesture. She was like, "All right, you know, I know you really want to go see this tonight." Did you say so you went to the midnight show? Went to the midnight show. Is that who you wanted to see it with? Um. Or would you have preferred to go on with a fellow Star Wars file? Well, uh, (laughs) I probably would have preferred to do it that way, but, uh, you know, 
young Ian Sharpley was uh, was swept away by uh, by this woman's radiant beauty by, by the by the kind gesture by the promise of pussy afterwards. No, <laughs> how dare you? That was just it was just something that was cool. It was nice. Um, she fucking hated it. She would have hated. Ugh. She hated the original trilogy. She hated this movie, but it was nice that she took it me to it. Um, but that's You're that's not who with I her want. anymore. I'm not with her anymore. Good. No. no. <laughs> My current significant other likes Star Wars. Very Where did good. you say you saw it? At Showcase Cinemas East. Where, um, uh, where Sheets lives now. Where Sheets and Buffalo Wild Wings are now. That's right. Um, Matt, where did you go see The Phantom Menace? I went to the Waterworks Theater in Fox Chapel. Midnight um, show? Midnight show. I bought my tickets approximately one week before. Woo! Uh, I had just finished my freshman year in college, um, and the tickets were going to go on sale a week before. So in order to guarantee tickets, again, before the internet was really prevalent and... You could buy your tickets online. You had to go wait in fucking line. So I was done for school, with school for the year. I drove down there at about 8, 8.30 in the morning um, by myself. And I was tasked by my friends to, to get, like, I don't know, probably something like seven or eight tickets. There was a big group of us that were going to go. <clears throat> all Star Wars fans. All Star Wars fans. And somehow I was the lucky asshole that went all by himself. Um, <laughs> And uh, I was, like, number 95 in line, something Jesus. like that. There was a shitload wow. of people wrapped around the fucking building. Like, if I drive past that building now, I can say, see that little spot on the sidewalk there? That's where I sat for wow. eight hours waiting for my Star Wars tickets Holy for the midnight shit. show. So, well, maybe eight hours isn't fair, but uh, the tickets went on sale around 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And then, you know, got them and went on my way, but... Uh, so yeah, a week later, went back that night That night for the midnight show. I remember it was pouring rain. Do you remember that? I do remember it was raining. It was pouring rain. I can remember standing under the awning, right on the edge of the awning where all the water was gathering and coming down in buckets, and it was like just pouring on me. I remember I saw episode one drenched. <laughs> um, but it didn't matter. You were wet when you saw The Phantom Menace. Yes, very, very, very We all wet. were. To a point. It, it just didn't matter. It was so exciting. Paul, where did you go see The Phantom Menace? Tinseltown in Boardman, Ohio. On that Saturday, I think. No what? midnight showing. One would that have come out Friday at, mid at midnight. It came out Thursday into Friday. Friday. Thursday into Friday. Wednesday at midnight. Wednesday night at midnight. So technically Thursday. Uh, me, and, uh, me and our buddy Justin, we saw it. Either that Friday we took off school or Saturday I, I don't I don't remember but we saw it we saw it an early show um, I want to say it was like one o'clock or something at Tinseltown in, in Boardman Ohio and the place was place was packed like we had we had pretty good seats but the place was packed and um, what I take away from that first showing is that with about a third of the movie left I had to pee. <laughs> so bad and it it was such a distraction during the last third of that movie yeah. that's all I could fucking think about was I have to fucking pee and as soon as as soon as it went black and credits rolled I was out I was like a fucking bullet out of a gun to the bathrooms <clears throat> um yeah not only did I see the midnight show 
I went back the next morning at 10 in the morning and saw it again. And then I saw it again at 1, and then again at 7, and then again at 10. Wow. So you didn't really... So you saw it four times You were kind of so-so with this movie. (laughs) I saw it five times in the first 24 hours. Jesus. That beats... uh, Justin and I left the first show, and then on the way back to his... On the way back to his parents' house, you know, we were talking about, we were like, oh, we ought to go see it again. And then one of us was like, do you want to go see it again? And then we were like, yeah. And we turned around in the middle of the road right there and went back That's and cool. saw the next show. I went and back, I peed before. I went back that Sunday by myself and saw it all by Good myself. Man. Nice. That's so weird. That's such a pedo thing to do, going to see a movie by yourself. I was in a trench coat. do it all the time. I was in a trench coat and I had Case a bucket closed. of popcorn. And I was like, this is good. I'm, awesome. <laughs> I'm way too innocent looking to be a pedo. You think? I think. You don't think I'm innocent? You don't think you look like a pedo? I, no, what does a pedo I, look? What are characteristics of a pedo? I figure, like... Um, I don't think he looks like a, a pedo. bad, like, complexion. Um, the guy in the Superman tank top that we saw last week. Ooh, Do yes. I look like him? No. no. Okay. Not even a little See, bit. There. He may have, he may have had some uh, pedo tendencies. So... So, Paul, you saw this movie, uh, I believe, 12 more times in the theater? Yeah, my running tally for Phantom Menace was you 12 maniac. times. Well, Jesus Christ. Were you was... trying to break a record or something? Because there's no way you could have beat this dude who had, like, five times in 24 hours. No, five times hours. in 24 hours is, is insane. But I, I saw it with different people every time. Some people hadn't saw it, and I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll go see it again. I admit five times in 24 hours is fucking nuts. It is. I, I curbed that for the next two. So, I mean, Matt and I are clearly responsible for a third of Phantom Menace's growth. Yeah, we were we were trying to make sure that it did better than Titanic. We're like, fucking yeah. 15-year-old smitten girls. Titanic can, was re- I saw Phantom... I, we I saw Titanic twice in the theater. I saw it twice in the theater, too. I saw it It wasn't the worst movie. Really? Yeah. It's a really good movie. Yeah, that's not the worst. Have you seen it since? I, have I haven't seen it. seen it since. I've seen it, I think, probably two or three times since. Yeah. I really like it. It was okay. Yeah, not a fan. It's fine. We're not, we're not here to talk about Titanic. We're not? The brilliance of Leonardo DiCaprio. And Kate Winslet naked. And Kate Winslet's titties. Woo! Woo. Yeah, 12 times in the theater. And I don't... At some point... A trend started during these 12 times of falling asleep during the pod race. Oh! I don't know what happened, but the pod race would start, and I would I would start to nod off. And I'd wake up as soon as the pod race was over and be refreshed for the rest of the movie. I think what happens is it's just sound effects. There's no dialogue. And when that happens, like, usually if I'm watching TV at night or something, there's, like... A sequence on television where there's no talking going on, I start to get really tired. It had yeah. to be around be around time seven or eight where this started happening, and I was realizing, fuck, every time this happens, I fall asleep. So I would be aware to, and the pod race would start, and I'd be like, all right, all right, I got it this time, I got it this time, <laughs> and then start I'd be smacking out. yourself in the face, like, all right. It was, it was the dulcet the dulcet tones of Sebulba's pod pod, <laughs> right. yeah, which was so fucking. Cool. If I'm going to take cool stuff, if we're going to talk positively about the prequels, the the sound of Sebulba's pod was so fucking cool. Just that that thudding engine over and over again. And in a theater, it just sounded so amazing. And the idea of a pod race isn't the worst. 
But you have to, um, I, I think, maybe... But George Lucas shoehorning his love for fucking car racing in what, was you can, the worst. And you can even do that. That's fine. You can put the things that you love into a film or into a screenplay. That's fine. But the length of it, the way that it was cut, maybe could have been a little bit better. It sounds um, like you are just talking about a dick just now. <laughs> could have been better. Could have been longer. The way it was cut. Could have been circumcised. It, I mean, it didn't fit in my... That pod race didn't fit in my mouth the way that I wanted it. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and, and it just it lasted forever and ever and yeah. ever and I was like when is this going to be over <laughs> but, but anyway um, I think that there could have been a little bit more tension that was brought to the pod race you already knew oh well Anakin is he's he's the one and he's a great pod racer maybe Anakin could have been a little bit unsure maybe Anakin shouldn't have been the first the first pick to be the pod racer, maybe we could have had somebody else and have a maybe tight... the entire Phantom Menace shouldn't have taken place because we didn't need to see Anakin at ten years old. Now, about that, Anakin being a ten-year-old kid, it's very hard to bring the kind of weight to a character that you want for the main character of an entire trilogy. Put that on a ten-year-old's shoulders. Um, I think that maybe they could have had a teenager do that role and accomplish the same thing. Um, are you saying that that was a lot of pressure to put on a nine-year-old actor? Yeah. I agree. However, I think with better casting, it really wouldn't have mattered because they still put that pressure on a older actor in the second movie and the performance was still lacking. Um... So I just think with a better actor. Also, better do you off. think that the fact that they, I think that George Lucas cast a, a um, nine or ten year old actor solely on the fact that he wanted that poster. He wanted teeny tiny Darth Vader, shadow of older Darth Vader. He wanted that so bad, and that's a striking image. I don't, you know, begrudge him for wanting that. But I think if, if it was a teenager matched up with Natalie Portman, who was at that point eighteen. I think that it would have made a little bit more sense. I never thought for a second that the that the poster was the reason why he made Anakin so young. I don't really know what the what the rationale was to to make him so young. Um, maybe because he wanted Obi Wan to be a bit younger, and he didn't want to make them so close in age. Um, Do you, but don't you think that a teenager? And Ewan McGregor, who is, at that point, he was in his late 20s, right? Don't you think that still would have been a proper amount of distance? I don't think he was in his late... I mean, maybe in real life, but I think yeah. the character was supposed to be more like in his early 20s. Okay. Um, so I, I think they still wanted about a 15-year gap between the characters. Um, I don't, like, necessarily know exactly why... He went that way, but it really doesn't bother me that they made him, made them both younger than maybe I was expecting. I, I think that it could have just been a a older actor might have been able to handle it. You're putting a lot of things onto a nine year old, a ten year old. He needs to be a genius. He needs to be a dreamer. He needs to be all these different things in a short amount of time too. He doesn't have a lot of dialogue. He really doesn't. And it's hard to convey all the things that you want in that character from a, a nine-year-old. 
maybe. I mean... Probably there, a terrible acting nine-year-old. There, well, that's kind of my point, that his acting skills weren't there, but there are good nine-year-old actors. There was a movie that came out that exact same year called The Sixth Sense. It had a, a young actor named Haley Joel Osment, right? Do you think he would have been an excellent Anakin Skywalker? No, he's too much of a weirdo, but... He's I, a little goofy. Yeah, but my point is, the kid could fucking act, and... There are other <clears throat> actors that probably could have pulled it off better. I think Robin Gerland, the, the casting director, failed at her job as far as... No offense, Robin Gerland, if you're listening to this as podcast. As far as casting perhaps the most important character in that movie. Not lines like, are you an angel? Something like that isn't her fault, because that's a horrible that's not her fault. line of dialogue. That, that's that not her fault. That is not that's... either... Nobody can deliver that line with any uh, kind of confidence. I don't know. I think that I think Robert Downey Jr. could deliver that line. How awesome <laughs> would Star Wars have been if Robert Downey Jr. could have been young nine-year-old Anakin Skywalker? Oh, I would have loved that. National Lampoon's The Phantom Menace. <laughs> um, but anyway, I was I was fine with it. Um, the ages because. I think they wanted to get that whole generational thing going with um, having introducing the Qui-Gon Jinn character, which is easily one of my top Star Wars characters. I think he's he's a, he's a great awesome. part of the Phantom Menace. Would you, he is a great character. But now Ian and I have discussed this, but Matt, would you agree that Qui-Gon should have been Obi-Wan? His his character should have been the character of Obi-Wan. Um, should've? No. Could've? Sure. I feel like Ewan McGregor was a, was a waste of space in that movie because had you, start, had you started Obi-Wan with that personality that, because even when Alec Guinness portrays him in the original trilogy, mm-hmm. he's a little rough around the edges. He, you know, seems to kind of mm-hmm. be marched by his own drummer. Yeah. And that's what... Qui-Gon did, but you can't have two characters right. with the same personality. Right. So they, it was almost like Obi-Wan was forced into being white bread. Where Qui- I mean, Liam Neeson as Qui-Gon was incredible. And right. that's one of my biggest failings of the prequels is that we didn't get to see more of that character. We right. didn't get to see Obi-Wan in A Phantom Menace. When they're going to find the part for the ship, they don't take Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan who is right. pretty it's- qualified to help out, don't you think? Maybe they just wanted him to stay with the ship. I guess, but at, from a, what from, happens from if a ship mo- bandits from, show up? From a from a movie standpoint, Obi Wan Kenobi is maybe one of the more recognize most recognizable character that we're going to follow along on this adventure with. This is the guy that we all know because we saw him in the first one, and and we saw his ghost in the other movies right? as well. Right. So I wanted to follow along with Obi Wan Kenobi. You can still have the Quagon Jin character. Maybe you just have Obi-Wan on screen a little bit more. And maybe he's, he's a little more optimistic about, oh, well, you know, maybe, we're gonna, maybe there's going to be some action going on. I want to see some action. Qui-Gon Jinn is kind of like, hey, you weren't there for when shit was real bad. Maybe they fought the Sith before. Maybe he was like, ah, uh, you don't, you don't want to fucking see this bad shit. No, they and be never a guiding hand with that. They them. said in the movie they hadn't for a millennium. I understand that, but maybe it would be more exciting if they did fight the Sith more recently, don't you think? Why do we have to put these big 
gaps of time in between there. Don't you think that it would be exciting to have people in this movie be like, fuck, the Sith again? I remember them from a long time ago that I fought them, and this shit sucks. But maybe Obi-Wan doesn't know about that. I think it would be thematically exciting. The Sith are one of my biggest problems with all of the prequels. Because they're bright guys, they're smart guys, but they keep killing each other. So there can only be two. It seems like such a fake plot device. I'm like, it, they make me so mad. I'm like, but if you guys just get your shit together, you can take over everything. Because you guys are powerful and you have the dark side. You can do whatever you want. Stop fucking killing each other. And before this, before the Phantom Menace, weren't we under the understanding that maybe there are a bunch of bad guys? Maybe there could have been a bunch of bad guys. What's nice about how why, why do we have to put why do we have to put a cap if there are a bunch of Jedi? Why do we have to put a cap on their direct enemy? What's why, nice about why? having Matt here is we can get a general opinion on this stuff that's bothered us for years coming from the other side of the fence. Right. So you're. This is not a. Am I allowed to answer any of these questions? Yeah. What do you? What do you think about? This is not an attack. We're just setting the stage for you to give us the answer. What do you think about the Sith? Are you okay that the Sith can only be two at a time? Yeah. Um. In the novelization to um the Revenge of the Sith, they Yoda has this epiphany. But we we shouldn't have to read the novels to know what's going on in the movies. Well, you know what's going on, but the the book just a little bit helps explain it. I mean, like... Yeah, but I, I don't want to have to do extra work to find out why something happens. That should be told to me there, in there the feature are, film. Paul, there's like a hundred different things that you don't fully, like, that aren't explained to you throughout all the Star Wars movies. I know, I've read all the novelizations. Right, but like... There's just there's a lot of unanswered questions that almost help um, expand the universe, really, like the Star Wars universe, because you don't know all the answers. Um, like, uh, well, before the prequels, there was a ton of unanswered. So, like, it just kind of like opens your mind to a lot of things. So, I mean, like, it's it's out there if you want to find the details why it is this way, but it's. It said there's only two Sith. That's their rule. You either go with it or you can look it up and find and you're out. Just, you're now, just accepting of that. Now, yeah, and, and what I'm saying is we're, it's, we're, we understand that that's the factual event of it. Do you not think we're making a film, we're making a piece of entertainment. Do you not think that you're capping your story and putting limitation, unnecessary limitations on a villain or set of villains that that limitation doesn't need to be there? Uh, no, because I'm I'm perfectly content and happy and interested in the way that the story unfolds. Like, I think it's actually pretty cool that you have this one mastermind, the Phantom Menace, if you will. I and I enjoy the subterfuge aspect. Um, who, you know, has his one apprentice and who's always looking for like an even better apprentice, somebody to you know overthrow his current guy, because they're, they're a society of backstabbing fuckheads. You know, they constantly fuck over one another. It's just in their nature. So, apparently, like, again, referencing the book, The Revenge of the Sith, there's, like, thousands of Sith, just like there used to be thousands of Jedi. But once the Sith were defeated by the Jedi, they went dormant for, like, what, a millennia or whatever it was. 
And so there were a lot of them at one point. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't that be cool to have somebody know about how fucking bad that was that was around? I'm sure Yoda might have been around. Um, Somebody to speak on it. It almost diminishes the Jedi that you have so many Jedi and you can't take, you can't be two Siths. Well, it, they, they weren't able to beat them because they don't know who they are. They couldn't find them. Plus they explained that the dark side clouded everything, like diminished their ability to use the force that was explained in the movie. Um, so (laughs) not the novel. I've got a science question about that so they're thinking that there's a sit are we gonna talk about do i get to talk about the other point no no go ahead later on i have a science question yeah table that so um apparently what happened was the sith are like dormant for a long time like thousand years and by the way whenever qui-gon's like i think i encountered a sith the jedi council's like uh what like, these guys, we thought we got rid of them, and this is, like, fucked up shit to hear that these Sith are back. So everybody was, like, real shifty when they when they heard about this. Right. So anyway, <clears throat> apparently what, what had happened was, I guess, a few, maybe one or two, like, lived, and then they kind of, like, passed on the whole dark side uh, force power... I don't know, philosophies and everything. We gotcha. Okay, so... Um, you can say gizmo or thingamajig. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so, um, what, what they did was they shifted their focus from having tons of numbers and trying to, like, just defeat the Jedi with, okay, you know, our dick's bigger than your dick. Our lightsaber's bigger than your lightsaber. See who has a double-sided one? Appropriate. It's twice as long. Star Wars reference. Yeah. Instead, they decided... What a sexy weapon. They decided to approach it by destroying the Republic from within. Um, It was much more, like Paul said, a lot more subterfuge. There was a lot more manipulation, and it was done that way. If we know... That that follows the political nature of the prequel trilogy. At some point, they say, ah, man, I think that there's a Sith in the Senate. Mm Mm-hmm. Can we they not? didn't suspect he was in the Senate. They just said, oh, geez, there might be a Sith out there. And at some point they say, we think there's a Sith presence in the Senate. You're going to have to be specific with your reference because I don't recall that. It's. I'm pretty sure. I think by, I'm pretty sure at some yeah, point sure they say, some, the Sith, they know they say the that it's in the Senate because that's how these strings are being pulled. Well, Dooku basically tells Obi-Wan the truth in the second episode but Obi-Wan doesn't buy any of it he thinks he's fucking with him but we can get to that later which that's one of my fucking favorite scenes from the prequels by the way so if if we if we suspect that this shit is going down and somebody in the senate is pulling these strings and doing weird things <clears throat> and we've already established that you can test for Jedi potential or connection to the force with a midichlorian test. Ugh. Why not fucking test everybody and find out who gets all crazy and pulls out a lightsaber? Then you have your fucking Sith Lord right there. Find Bam. out who's hitting 62 home runs a season. <laughs> yep. Um, I'm just saying. That's yeah, a, yeah. That, I why mean, not? Yeah, why not? I mean... Because sure. that's, not, that's not a good movie. Because if they do that, they wrap it up in one and a half movies and 
You don't have a full trilogy. Okay. Then don't establish that you can test for well, connection to the Force. They probably shouldn't have established that. So it sounds like by your, uh, that midichlorian count is not one of your favorite parts of the... Midichlorians are worse than Jar Jar Binks. They're pretty much reviled by all. I don't know of anybody that was like, that's a fucking great idea. We're going to have to edit that clap out. But it's going to be loud. That is such a good idea. It's a thunderclap of fandom. To, to <laughs> put a science behind this mystical force, which was very subtly explained, but yet completely accepted in the original trilogy. It is one of my most loathsome things about the prequels. It is my most loathsome thing about the prequels. The Force was something that I always felt that it was just a feeling. It was a belief. You bought into it. Not everybody <clears throat> bought into it, but right. for those that did, it unlocked... Anybody can tap con- into it. I agree with that. Right. Paul, I said that, um, I said that the other night, and you disagreed with that. What? That... I said I no, always oh, felt yeah, that yeah, anybody yeah, could I, tap I into the force, I didn't, and you're like, no, I don't yeah, think that. I don't think, I don't think it's down to science. Like, oh, well, if you have so much of this in your bloodstream, then you can do this. I yeah, think maybe some people aren't is like, like I don't to do think. It. Yeah, 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 I don't think Han Solo could use the force. He doesn't, but he doesn't believe He's not it. A believer. I don't think it's like fucking some Santa Claus shit where he's like, oh, I believe, and then what? he shows up. I th- like. I think if Han Solo tried to believe and he really wanted this, I don't think he could do it. Because that's just, like, some people are just more attuned to it than others. I agree with that, but maybe maybe he would be tuned into a certain part of the Force. Maybe he wouldn't become a full-fledged Jedi. But I think that, because it's something that binds all of us, the, the entire galaxy, the Force flows through everyone, and that's why everybody can tap into it. And that's... That's a magical, yeah, mystical, all I of have us, faith in stuff. All of us can Shit. play basketball, but not all of us can play it like Michael Jordan. I didn't say that he could be a Jedi. I just said that Do you know he could tap into it. Do you know how many chlorians Michael Jordan has? Fucking off the charts. Yeah. They were like, this one's going to bring balance to the NBA. But that's and my point. Fucking like, we're, did. We're, we, can all, we can all do this to some extent, but only certain people are really going to be able to do the stuff that Luke and Yoda and Darth Vader can do. That's what I said. Not everybody can be a Jedi. Yeah, but it's not not everyone. You can't just. You're making it sound like you can just believe it and it'll happen. You can tap into it. I think certain parts of the Force you can tap into. Han Solo could never tap into the Force. Why? Because you love him so much that he could beat up Captain Kirk. No, or vice because versa. he's just not. He's just not that kind of person. He's been established as not just because he says he doesn't believe it, but I just I don't I, you know I don't want to keep using Han Solo as an example because it's too specific. But I just don't think anyone can do... Can tap for, into something that surrounds us and finds us and brings yeah, the galaxy there's going to be some people... Somebody can't... They just can't suck an envelope into their hand, even if it's a couple inches away. Maybe it's not that drastic. Maybe it's just a feeling. How, oh, I've, I've... You know, whenever uh, Leia and Luke connect and she's like, oh, he's fucking down here. Maybe it's just something as subtle as that. It's everywhere in that galaxy. Yeah, Why wouldn't everybody be able to connect into it? But it... <laughs> Because some people just aren't going to be attuned to it. Some people just don't have that skill set. And that's based on DNA? If No. The master all, race? We all have Is that it. what you're saying? Are you saying Lando couldn't so we, do so, this? Are you saying no. Mace Windu was a fucking Jedi? So wait, wait, wait. You're saying we all have it within us to do it? 
but not to the extent that Ian is making it sound. You're making it sound like if Han Solo tried really hard, then like he could move stuff with his mind. Could yeah. he do it like, but maybe not real good, or just every third try or something? I don't like think that? he could do it at all. I just, I just don't think he's as in tune Did with I the say force he could move anything? as someone I said else. It would be like I it said, would be a less. That's why I said severe. that's what you're making it sound like. You're making it sound like anyone. I thought I was going to be the one arguing, but no. So you're you're with him. You think if Han Solo concentrated real hard. That's not he what I fucking said. He doesn't. It's, it's an example of using the force. There's a point of faith that goes into it that he'll never come to. But if you right, do, that's what I said. He'll never come to. But it. But it's not because he. It's but not because it's not in. Could. But it's not in, because it's in him that he. That it's it's in his DNA and that he can't do. Are it. you saying that he could if he really tried? Yes, that is what I'm saying. He could if he and, really and tried. Paul is saying that I he, disagree. he couldn't if he really tried. Right. Yes. This is not how this podcast was supposed to go. Matt's supposed to be the bad guy. <laughs> I'm the good guy. Get out of here. I'm the voice of reason. So where were... So where, where were, were we... what? So let, let's, let's step aside from the... Uh, the whole force debate. I think we know firmly where each of us is entrenched. For someone like Matt, whose love for the prequels never seems to have died, this answer may be a little different. But for me and you, when did... like I, You saw The Phantom Menace a handful of times. You, you know got out your pedophilia club card and went to see it by yourself. I saw it 12 I, I times. I call that my fandom. But <laughs> Your fandom. Yeah. Come look at my fandom, little boy. <laughs> I saw it myself 12 times. Give you a sucker to touch my fandom. <laughs> at what point did you at what point did you realize this movie sucks? God damn, it was a long time. It was a uh, you know it, it was much like a there was a lot of um you know, considering the movie and making excuses for the movie and telling myself I liked it over and over and again and, and talking to other people that were like, oh, yeah, well, I like this little part of it or I like that. It was years later when I realized it was probably closer to Attack of the Clones coming out when I finally said out loud to the world, ah, the Phantom Menace kind of fucking sucked. It was a long time. Um... Because I wanted to love it so much. I love Star Wars, and, and that was a huge part of my childhood. And I didn't want to say that something that I had waited 20 fucking years for, I didn't really like that much. Yeah, it took a, it took a long time. And it was it was when Green Lantern sucked. I mean, I've, I fought with myself months before I was able to come out and say, you know what, that wasn't very good. And I think it took until... Attack of the Clones came out and Attack of the Clones my reaction was immediate yeah. and it took until it, it took Attack of the Clones to put Phantom Menace into perspective for me and I'm not even I, I'm not even gonna lie I liked Attack of the Clones yeah. instantly and almost got in a fist fight with you in my car yeah, cause Attack of the Clones put Phantom Menace into perspective cause once I saw Attack of the Clones then I could say well you know what at least Phantom Menace wasn't this steaming pile of dog shit? So that you I just like Phantom Menace better than Attack of the Clones? I still like Phantom Menace better than Attack of the Clones because there are more aspects of Phantom Menace that are like there are more enjoyable things throughout the entire movie. If you cut out all of the Jake Lloyd stuff, take out all the Anakin stuff, 
and we if we follow and take out Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, I I just watched these movies a week ago. I watched all three of them within a couple days, so I they're they're real fresh to me. And Jar Jar never bothered me up until this last this latest viewing. Like I people would hate Jar Jar, and I'd be like, eh, you know what? I didn't think Jar Jar was the worst part of it. Even now, where I'm starting starting to come around with, I don't like him. I never thought he was the worst. But part watching of it. him though, there's. There's he's a lot. Fucking terrible. He is pretty terrible. There's a lot wrong with it. But up until this part, like every time he's on screen, it's it's the fucking comedy fest. He's he's doing something silly every time he's on screen. The problem with Jar Jar Binks is he's the first Star Wars character that clearly was solely created just as a kid device, as mm-hmm. a comedic device. He was comic and, relief. And, and nothing else. Nothing further. Was Yoda funny? Yeah, sure. Which was, was C-3PO funny? Yeah, sure. Which, but there were other levels to those. They weren't clearly just created to sell fucking plush Which dolls. was such a departure from the original trilogy because all the comedy, all the comedic relief in the originals were so situational. They, ha- they all happened so naturally. Yeah. Even when Yoda's being silly when Luke first meets him, everything happened really organically but Jar Jar was just like for the most part here's a silly character and any time he was on screen it was some slapstick stuff uh yeah pretty much um I mean Jar Jar did kind of serve a purpose though in, in that movie like he did kind of bring the two races of Naboo together to help defeat the the droid army which really the Gungans didn't really do they they really were just a diversion they were just basically targets don't you think jar jar would have served a really great purpose they could have done some of the slapstick stuff all the way through but when it came to the droid army you realize that jar jar was a great warrior and wouldn't that have (laughs) been wouldn't that have been a good turn because he was an asshole for two hours and then it turned and, and people were like oh well jar jar binks he he is a great warrior. It would have, and it would have given the character a lot more credibility when he gets nominated to a Senate position in Attack of the Clones. He gets nominated to be a general too. I mean, the... yeah, and if he's a good warrior, that then that nomination makes sense. Yeah, it it's... would have given him a second level to just the straight goofiness that he was. There, I mean, there are sequences with Jar Jar that are worse than others. Oh, absolutely. Um, like. The, the ones that stick out to me when uh, the two Jedi and Jar Jar go to go underwater when Jar Jar goes into the water he does like a flip and he does a cartoon style flip he jumps in the air because he's Roger spins and then drops in the water like it he defied physics that was kind I mean granted the physics in Star Wars are kind of like floaty and bullshit not very realistic and that's established in like all the movies yeah. like Luke Skywalker falls from a fucking ad at and the Empire strikes back and into snow and gets back up and runs no big deal and later on in the day he falls from yeah the- right exactly <laughs> well, may- well maybe when maybe when he was doing that he was subconscious and this is a serious this is a serious <laughs> this is hold on no, 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 no. Right this is a serious this is a serious answer to... I mean, we, we, we're we left... George Lucas leaves us to rationalize so much shit in those fucking prequels that me saying this shouldn't be fucking crazy because we have to do plenty of this stuff in the fucking prequels. Like, isn't it possible that when he falls from the ad 
or when he falls through the thing at Cloud City, that he's subconsciously using the force to slow himself down or to catch on to that weather vane? Could be. Could be. It's, it's no less crazy than some other stuff that we're forced to rationalize. Yeah, I don't typically even worry about rationalizing it. I just kind of enjoy it. You know, it's like the, him falling down that shaft in The Empire Strikes Back never bothered me. I was never like, what? How did he survive that? Or, oh, or him even falling from that the never, Even him falling from the attic never, never bothered me either. Was that? I didn't hear anything. I believe it was the doorbell. All right. I believe it's time for the pizza party. of civilization on their way to the capital city. Did they stop at the Gungan underwater city? Because it didn't they seem didn't like they did. They know of it. They were, it was a land invasion. But I don't think they landed so far away from They the landed on the other side of the planet. That's why they had to travel through the core. <laughs> That's why they fucking had to do that. Because it was the other side of the planet. Either this way, doesn't make this, any this, sense. Is, this is a baffling criticism. It's, a, it, it's, one, it's one point that doesn't make any sense. In a in a movie that doesn't make a lot of sense, I'm having a hard time understanding what the issue is. Ian's an asshole. It's no, it's just one point. I mean, like it's just one point of it's one thing that doesn't make sense that we just mm-hmm. stumbled upon. But there that are, I have a problem with. There, it doesn't make any sense. There are a lot of movies that you like, and if you wanted to, you could just as well nitpick them and say, "Well, that doesn't make any sense." But yet, you still adore these movies. But we're not having a podcast about those. We're yeah, having one about this. There's. There's stuff even in Star Wars because this is the one thing that you just want to pick on because no, you like to one, hate it. No, that's so one you're, thing. you're you're looking for shit. That's to, one that thing. You're about. That's one thing. There's it, stuff even in Star Wars that you have to you just have to say, well, if they didn't do this, we wouldn't have any more movie. That's something that you can say about like what? every movie. Yeah, exactly. Like what? That's dead air, folks. Like what? There's there's tons of times you're oh. watching or you're watching movies or TV shows where you're like, well, if they just didn't go down into the basement or if if an evil dead, you know, Chip got sick and they just dipped, then you don't have a movie. That's not that's 
That this is just that's, one that's little teeny tiny. This is one point of something that's a greater scope of the things that don't make sense. Well, I gave you an explanation. Why is that not valid? You, what was your explanation? The your explanation, explanation was, is, I don't know. No, that's You're not. You're like, I don't know. My that's explanation is they landed there so that way they could do a sweep across the planet until they got to the capital city. Did we see any of that? We saw them tearing down trees. Trees. That's about it. Killing wildlife. That's about it. Supposedly killing wildlife. Maybe. Because I don't we think don't we really saw know. anything die on screen. <clears throat> I don't know. We were told the death toll was catastrophic. But we didn't see any of that, did we? We were just what told he, about things. What did he mean? And how, how about that? The death toll was catastrophic. People are suffering and dying. We didn't see any. And of doesn't that. he mean the Naboo, not some fucking deer and rabbits out in the wild? Well, there's probably more Naboo outside of Thebes. There's probably, but we didn't see any of them. Well, you do see it in the second movie. You see that there are other places outside of But we didn't see them dying. So when they say that, that's just somebody on the screen telling us. Right. We don't have any emotional connection and the, and to the, those words. And at the time Amidala gets that message, doesn't... Isn't Obi, Obi-Wan or Qui-Gon, they're like, eh, that's just some subterfuge from the Nemoidians. We don't know if that's even right. the truth. Right. So we don't know if there were catastrophic deaths. Shouldn't we know? Shouldn't we know? It doesn't propel the plot forward either way. It holds some kind of... It makes the villain of this movie, or one of the villains being the Trade Federation, um, threatening. The Trade is Federation it, really isn't... The, the Trade Federation is the never antagonist. Is did they not take over a planet that cities. caused... Did, did they not take over cities? Did they not do that? Is they that not an peace, act of aggression? They took over a peaceful planet that didn't have an army, that just had a police force. Okay. That's isn't a, that a bad thing to do? Is, a, is, isn't that what the yeah, fucking Nazis kind of yeah, did at some point? Yeah, yeah, yeah but it's not, you're not paying attention to the movies if, if you feel like the Trade Federation are the main antagonists. You're not paying attention <clears> to <throat> things that happen in life if somebody goes... <laughs> <laughs> if, <laughs> If, if an antagonistic force comes over and takes over a peaceful world, is that not bad? Am yeah, I wrong? Yeah, it's, it's bad, but... Am I wrong? It's, it's bad, but it's not yes, like... Yes, you're wrong. It's not like the Trade okay. Federation go into a militarized planet and they just fucking decimate someone. And they're... They it's, take, it's not like they just roll in and flex their muscles over some grand army. They flex they're their like, muscle, muscles over a peaceful planet. Yeah. And I mean, there were... That doesn't that that's not threatening. So how does that so how does that not make them an antagonistic force or the villain well, or, or because, because, of the, because the three force. of us could take out the Naboo. So what if we can or cannot? It doesn't matter if they're peaceful or fucking militarized. It doesn't matter. They went and they went and did something aggressive against a pe- that makes them worse actually because they it were makes them the, douchebags. It doesn't make them scary. They were being completely... shouldn't they be scary? Right. So they should have built up Naboo's forces, they should have made a bigger deal about that so that when the Trade Federation lands, you're like, fuck, these battle droids aren't silly comic relief. These guys mean business. But they didn't. They had them attack a peaceful planet that doesn't have an army. They just have police. So you're like, oh, these fucking guys that talk like, you know, fucking bad Japanese, you know, voiceovers... They're not, they're not that fucking scary. And maybe that was the point. Maybe they weren't supposed to be scary. Maybe you're supposed to see them cower in fear of Darth Sidious, 
and be like, well, that's the fucking bag. Well, that's... So that also, so then, okay, if they're not supposed to be scary, why are we having a global-wide Gungan battle against them at the end as a, as the big fight at the end of the movie, then? That cuts out the entire final battle scene. If they're not supposed to be scary, again, not supposed to be bad guys, again, not supposed to be threatening. Do I need to get a word in edgewise? Like, this is kind of going you on. Do it. You need to no, assert this. Do no. I need to get louder? Yeah, I need to get louder. Yell at me. Yes. <laughs> Yes, that's how I'll listen to you. Fucking Ian, listen to me. I'm listening. Sounds like I call the cops on us. It's going to be great. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so they said it in the movie. The Gungan battle was a diversion to get the the Nemoidian force out of the city, away from it, so that way the Jedi could go in and get control of the, the, the mothership, so that way they could shut down the droids, right? Wasn't that it? That was the plan. Okay. That's fine. As a movie watcher, I'm like, whoa, maybe these guys should be a little more powerful and threatening. The the uh, the Trade Federation was never threatening. I mean, Obi Wan and, and, and Obi Wan and Qui Gon could have ripped through that entire army in five minutes. So that's why I was so let down. Because they wrote them as shitty characters. Well, I, yeah, oh. I never liked, you know, See, I didn't. I didn't want to go here. Yeah, let's do Uh-oh, it. Shit. Gloves I, are coming off. Hour two. But I, I thought I might have to because I knew I'd be dealing with unreasonable opinions. Unreasonable opinion? I think I've been is, pretty is, fair is, so is far. My, is my assessment of a force taking over another peaceful planet being the bad guys, is that unreasonable? Yes. Okay, so anyway, you have... Okay. Let's you, hear Matt out. You have um, the... The battle droids, which are there, number one, they're shitty battle droids just because you need, you can't have living, breathing, biological characters fighting Jedi. This movie was going to show for the first time Jedi knights fighting in action, using their lightsabers constantly. These are the main characters. It wasn't about blasters anymore. It was about laser swords. So you can't cut... Um, character like human beings in half. Like you're gonna have an R-rated movie. You have to make them battle droids. It's why in GI Joe they turned the the Cobra into robots, so that way you could shoot and kill them. So they were that way, so that way you could cut them into pieces. Um, the I, I'm I'm struggling understanding like why you need them to be scary. I mean, this particular they just movie, need to be threatening. As a force that maybe you could say, oh, they're going to have some resistance and not two Jedi can hack through them in ten minutes. That defeats... Well, they didn't do that through the entire army. They had to get the army away from the city so that way the Jedi could sneak into the the capital. I understand the plot of the movie. They're just not a threatening force to even the Gungans. They fucking destroyed the Gungans. They beat them. They did beat the Gungans, yeah. I don't know. Well, I'm telling you, they did. Uh, no, they did. Know. They did. Mm. Mm, I'm mm. right. Mm. They beat in. They beat an inferior force. You know, they beat a uh, indigenous army. Okay, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, I realize they weren't scary. They weren't threatening. They weren't the main antagonist. The main antagonist was Darth Sidious and Darth Maul, and the the Trade Federation was basically just pawns in their scheme so and not only that but 
were the fucking stormtroopers threatening in Star Wars? Like, in Return of the Jedi, getting defeated by the Ewoks? They're a little more threatening than Roger Roger. I don't know. I saw Wicket, like, take out, like, 20 fucking stormtroopers with a rock on the end of his... Didn't the Ewoks try to eat Han Solo and Luke Skywalker? Didn't yeah. they try to do that? Yeah, but you never... Aren't get... they, don't they have a little more viciousness than yeah, we're trying you... to give them credit but for? But you never get the sense, like, holy fuck, these little teddy bears are cannibalistic. Until they're like fucking spicing them. I mean, yeah. No, I mean, until he, it happens in the film. Primitive. And when, Luke Han was ready to fuck some shit up, and Luke was like, "No, no, don't kill these fucking things." But he could have. When you look at it that way, yeah. But no one ever looks at it that way. When you look at it the never, way that it was presented in the film, you're never afraid someone's going to take a chunk out of Han's leg. That's what they were doing. They well, had them. We're, we're not comparing the Ewoks they, to the Battle did, we're I mean, like, the Stormtroopers. I mean, like, did the they, did they, or did they not have them on spits ready to roast them? Is am I? Did I watch this movie? Am I incorrect with that? You did, but the people that allowed themselves, they allowed themselves to be taken prisoner. Were Were they going to do that, or were they not going to do that? That's part of what they were going. Luke that, knew that he would get them out of it by having. C three doesn't Harbor. matter what Luke knows or what Luke. It doesn't completely know. matters because they wouldn't have. If no, they we're were, not. We're not talking about why. We're talking about they the, the Ewoks. We're talking about how vicious the Ewoks were going to be. We're all saying that they're cute teddy bears. Certainly, they have some cuteness to the Ewoks them. Thought but they, they have, these but they have some fucking viciousness right, to it. Right. So let's not take that away from them. I'm just saying they they have a vicious attitude. But if they had wanted to free themselves from these characters, they could have done it with ease. That's fine, but I'm talking about the intentions of the Ewoks. Well, that's were fine. they intending to fucking eat Han Solo <laughs> and Luke Skywalker? Yes, they were also intending to defeat the Empire, which somehow they did because they made the Empire, the stormtroopers, somewhat bumbling, similarly to the way they were the battle droids were in the prequels but yet people kind of just accept it and go with it and return the jedi because hey that's what i grew up with it's cool but in the prequels everybody like has a big like raging boner to hate these things that's my point were the stormtroopers as bumbling or as comical as the, the stormtroopers had normal human voices could we have not given just regular normal? i agree that the battle droids should have had normal human voices no, I, I mean, shouldn't they have... If, if they can talk at all, then. I mean, they can talk, right? right? Do we have to give them such comical voices? Doesn't that play a part into how the audience is going to relate to the them? Stormtroopers? Maybe they could have just had bleeps and bloops. Maybe. That the stormtroopers weren't... The voices were fine. The stormtroopers weren't purposely, as a group, comedic, a bunch of fucking comedic relief. They were bad at their jobs. They were terrible at their jobs. Which is explained because... They're a copy of a copy of a copy of Django Fett. Which, where did we get that from? The fucking prequels. But but they were never... Stormtroopers aren't copies of copies of copies. They're, they're not they're clone troopers? By the time you get to the Empire and the Luke Skywalker days, they're... they're How do we know this? Did they tell me this in the movies? Did they say that in the movies? Before you saw the prequels, what did you think they I were? I thought they were just some dudes. Yeah, you thought they were enlisted soldiers. Right. Right. That's so, what they are. How do we know that? George Lucas said... Did he say it in the movies? No, he never said it in the movie. But that's what you accept from when from when you saw the original trilogy. But then I saw the prequels. They and don't have Django Fett's voice. But I know. True. Not yet. They Not yet. But there's no telling George Lucas won't go in at some point and make them all happen. And I can't wait Django for that. Day. Can't. Disney owns it. I don't believe Disney that for a second. That. 
What do you I don't, don't think there's. It? I don't. I he think, fucking owns it. I think George Disney Lucas is still. Ca- I know he does. That came I know out they last do. year. I know George <laughs> Lucas. Owns, I, I know Disney owns it. But I do not believe George Lucas won't change these, even though Disney owns it. Is he gonna like sneak into the vaults of Disney like in a in a He'll ninja be arrested, outfit? Paul. He doesn't own that anymore. Is he gonna is he gonna hold ILM to gunpoint? You change these fucking movies! I know they're not mine anymore. You change these fucking movies. As long as he talks loud. I don't think they are totally out of his hands. I um, I think there's some contractual <laughs> stipulation. He still has something to do with those movies. Why do he you will th- never be totally divorced from those movies. Why do you think that? Because he has been because he's just had a giant boner for them all his fucking career. That's all he's fucking done. There is a fucking baby. Giant boners so, so do and babies th- don't hold up. In so court. what did what did Disney pay four billion dollars for? A giant boner, a baby, the, the rights the rights to produce them. But I think at some point George Lucas can still throw his weight around and be like, mm, I'd rather you do this. I think that he can be somewhat of a consultant. Like he, I think is going to be on the sequel trilogy. But as far as going back and changing shit, I think those days are over. I would like to think so. But anyway, um, I'm led to believe that the stormtroopers in the uh oh somebody called they're the com- cops on they're us. Coming, they're like you nerds, <laughs> you nerds are pissed yeah. off. So if they don't say it in the movies, I don't know what to think. They told me that Boba Fett's dad was a template for all clone troopers, mm-hmm. which. Logically, so, with, so, with the, with, which logically, by the uniforms that they are given, would progress into the stormtroopers. Am I not correct with that? Yeah, and it's not. I mean, you're not wrong for thinking that the stormtroopers are clones because that's clearly the way the prequels set it up. I mean, we know as nerds from having our fingers in other kinds of media that that's not how it goes. But if you just watch the movies. You're you might to believe that, that but that's what happened. If, if if you're really paying close attention to just the movies, you hear that they're not Django Fett's voice. So that right there tells you that these are other people. Because those movies were made in the fucking seventies, and they didn't go back and change them yet. That's why it's not Django. Well, yeah, they went, if, well, well gonna, let me say something. They went back and they changed Boba Fett's voice. So why wouldn't they fucking go back and change the stormtrooper's voice? Why don't they? Ex- why don't? No, they no, no. Answer my question. I don't know. Okay. That's just like why the Trade Federation landed on the other side. Because they oh, were doing a they were trade doing I don't know either. They were doing a planet-wide sweep. There's your answer. Okay, that's fine. I don't know why the clone troopers don't have Django Fett's voice. All right. Maybe they do what, have Django Fett's voice. Or the, the stormtroopers. Storm because maybe not, it's because, because whenever you copy something of, so many times, it kind of wears off and the vocal cords kind of wear out a little bit. Now you're so ra- it's a little different. Now you're rationalizing. That's like fine. we're forced Just to like do you guys are with those movies. The, nowhere does it say that they aren't. No, it doesn't. Okay. You also get it that you can infer that, like Matt said. You also get the impression that they're not copies because they're not as fierce of warriors as they're established in the prequels. Because they saw maybe they're just copies and they're duller than the original. So basically, they're like the retarded version of Michael Keaton in Multiplicity. Could be because they couldn't hit shit in any of the fucking Star Wars movies. I think it's I think it's in the movies that stormtroopers like pizza, Steve. <laughs> I fucking love that movie. 
It's a it's a it it's a movie. really underrated Michael Keaton joint. So Matt, has your opinion of the Phantom Menace changed since your first five viewings in twenty four hours? Uh yes. Yeah, I'm less forgiving of Jar Jar Binks. I was more forgiving of him initially. When did that when did that changeover happen? Um probably pretty early. Pretty pretty early there. Before Attack of the Clones? Oh yeah. I think I held so much hope that, all right, they'll get it right next time. Yeah. That by the time they won Attack of the Clones came out and they didn't, I was like, holy fuck. Is yeah, Phantom Menace the best I'm going to get? I, are we going to get into the Attack of the Clones now? Oh, yeah. Sure. This is my favorite. Now, I, see, I like the Phantom Menace, and I like it for a lot of different reasons. Like, I mean... Because we didn't even touch on any of the good shit. Like, you wanted to focus on all the bad stuff. Well, let's, uh, this is going to well, be a well, nine-episode saga. Well, then, in fairness, let's go back and talk about some of the things that you felt were good in The Phantom Menace. Well, I do like the story. I like the storyline in the prequel trilogy in general because I feel like it's a very... Um, it's a much more complicated and complex plot. It kind of had to be number one because you're talking about the tragic fall of a hero instead of just kind of good overcoming evil. Podcasters, if I could project Ian's face right now, it would be comic gold. Um, it, it also had some pretty like awesome visuals, I think. It was really exciting to see a lot of the like the planets and things like that. It had some really unique locations. You know, going underwater, the bubble cities were very cool. Um, you know, the Coruscant, actually seeing that, seeing the Jedi Temple and all the different Jedi. Outside of a Monopoly game. Yeah, outside of a Monopoly game, yeah. Or outside of the very end of the special edition of Return of the right. Jedi. Wasn't, but I think it was, it was in the Monopoly game before the special edition. Um, I don't the first think time I ever saw it was in, was in that Star Wars Monopoly because it was it was Boardwalk. <laughs> was this strange place called Coruscant? And you're like these aren't in the fucking movies. What the fuck is this? I, I think the Monopoly game came out first, or no, the the, the special edition did. Ninety seven. I, t- I I don't I'm not sure. I I tie Coruscant to Monopoly for some reason. It it actually was created in Timothy Zahn's um, Heir of the Empire. And then they used it again in Dark Empire that Dark Horse Comics put out. Um, so it was like, kind of became canon. And then they fucking used it in the special edition. And then you knew that it was legit. It was See, it's not, it's not canon to me until it happens in a Lucasfilm movie. Yeah, I, I go with that. Although, supposedly the whole Clone Wars thing is supposed to be canon. I have mixed feelings on that. Um, but... Supposedly the movies and the Clone Wars show are canon. Right, right. But Well George it's you know, George Lucas oversaw the Clone Wars animated series. For the most part, yeah. So like he had his he had his you know, bits all up in that stuff. So anyway, uh some of the other things I like, Paul touched on it earlier, some of the sound effects were fucking great. Like those pod rate the pod race sequence when they're all revving their engines and everything yeah. and they all have their own unique sound and look. Super cool. Pod race gets a lot of shit, but I think it was actually... If it was cut down a little bit, it would have been fine. If it's even a good piece of the plot that you would have to have Anakin prove himself as a it, great pilot. 
Yeah, it was it was a very cool way to see him as a pilot because we always thought he was probably some fighter pilot that Obi Wan met somehow. But as it turns out, he was a pod race pilot, <clears throat> and he was able to do again the establish it in the movie something that no other human could do. So, oh, and that also reminds me because he had like supposedly Jedi reflexes according to Qui Gon Jinn. Um, speaking of reflexes, when he said that. Um, this is one of the parts with Jar Jar I actually like. When they're sitting around the table in Skywalker's house, um, Jar Jar's like flicking his tongue out and grabbing stuff off the table. And then after like the second one, Qui-Gon just like, without looking, just grabs his <clears throat> tongue and he's like, don't do that again. I thought that was cool. Um, That's one of the worst acted scenes as a whole in the three <clears throat> prequel movies. Between sweet-ass Natalie Portman... Jake Lloyd and Jar Jar's antics. The only things keeping that scene together are Cornelia August and Liam Neeson. There was a painful line of dialogue given by Jake Lloyd when he said, Mom, you say the problem in the universe is nobody helps each other or something like that. Bad fucking dialogue. Yeah. But, but like, again, it's hard to fault the kid because that was terrible dialogue. You could have given that shit to Al Pacino and he would have struggled with it. Ooh, uh, Ooh uh. Is that Are you an got? angel? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I, I like the pod race. I know that you fell asleep in it, Paul. I think the pod race is really cool, but I, I agree I with mind you the in that it, it's too long. And what do they fucking do for the DVD release of Star Wars? They make it longer. They make it longer. What the fuck were they thinking? They but were like, thinking, fuck <clears throat> you, fan. But one of the coolest parts, again, like, these are just, like, the little things that kind of, like, expand the Star Wars universe. When they had the pod race going and you see that bounty hunter chick, um... Ara Singh. Ara Singh, watching. I don't know what she was doing there, but she was looking kind of cool, and you're like who is this character? And then all of a sudden they can blow her character out and expand and stuff, which they did in the um, the Clone Wars. Very cool character. But just like little things like that I like. So the Padres went too long, but overall it was cool. Um, and then Darth Maul, dude. And, and the lightsaber battles and the choreography. and Oh my God, was that exciting. As we talked about before we started recording again, don't you think that Darth Maul was a little bit of a wasted character? He was so underutilized, but I don't even think they realized how cool the character he was. The exact same way that they didn't realize how cool Boba Fett was until he was dead. It's an unfortunate thing that they tried to rectify. In, really, in both instances... Well, I don't... I don't, I don't I, 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 you, let me finish my point. So, they tried to do it in both instances. They did it with Boba Fett first by basically bringing him into the prequels by having the original template, Jango Fett, and, you know, blow that character out. And then they went back in the Clone Wars uh, TV series and they brought Darth Maul back because he's such a fan favorite. Um, I don't know if I'm in favor of either of those moves, but they, real they clearly they realized, we fucking had gold, let's bring this shit back. Don't you think that they should have realized that for the second movie for Attack of the Clones? And don't you think that they should have probably even realized that 
in the first draft of the script, like, hey, we're probably going to need a villain that's going to be powerful and stand up to Anakin and Obi-Wan throughout these films. Why don't we just use this villain from the first one? I'm sure they that- didn't realize how, how popular Darth Maul was. Forget until, that he's, well, until well after that movie came out. Forget that he's even Darth Maul and how cool Darth Maul, his aesthetic is. Let's just say that this villain that kills Qui-Gon, that puts Obi-Wan on a mission and to chase after this villain through yeah. the next couple films. Just as a script, it, it could makes have been sense. Cool. Could have been cool. Um, I'm not denying that. I think um, it really would have been pretty sweet to see more Darth Maul, that's for sure. Um, and I don't know what George Lucas was, what his plan was for episode two after he killed Darth Maul. Like, I don't know if his initial thought was, you know, we're going to have this, like, traitorous Jedi be kind of the new villain. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Jango Fett was supposed to be the main villain of the, um, of the second one. And, you know, initially, because he really didn't write those. He had... I think some bullet pointed ideas for the um, prequel trilogy, but I don't think he had the stories really that figured out until. Do you think that's a flaw with the prequels? Is that there was no real, you know, seamless way that they. There's no thought? Well, even when the original trilogy was being written, Lucas was kind of going by the seat of his pants. Yeah, he was. Yeah, I mean, I understand that. So, no, I don't really think it's a flaw because those movies, like all of them, have been very fluid in kind of their creation. Like, they've always sort of been, like, changing up until it's filmed. You know what I mean? Like, I had read that... Look at your sisters, what? I had read that uh, the... I guess back when they were going to do um, three trilogies or maybe it was four trilogies, you had the prequels, which they would get to, but then they were going to do 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Do you guys remember hearing that shit? From I remember 789. I remember that. I read something recently, or maybe heard it or something, that uh, 789, the main villain, was going to be um, Boba Fett. Oh, don't do it. Don't fucking do it. That's what it was going to be. No, no, no. That, like The whole Darth Vader uh, Emperor shit was not going to get resolved initially. Like Boba Fett was after Empire going to become like this main like antagonist and then after that in like 10, 11, 12 it was going to be you know the whole Darth Vader um, Emperor thing but obviously it didn't go that way this was like way back like in 1982 or something like that but anyway a little off topic so do I think it's a flaw? no no because I'm I'm still pretty satisfied with the overall like trajectory of the storyline um so yeah the the lightsabers and the fucking fights i mean episode one had the best sword fight in the history of cinema in my opinion um that fight with qui-gon and obi-wan against darth maul with the two sides to the lightsaber was amazing take out every scene jake lloyd is in and that's a good movie Is it? Just take them right out. Don't is even. It? Don't even fill holes. Don't even. Don't, don't even, even explain it. Explain anything. Just cut every one of those scenes, and I would like it more if it was 
if it was the Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan movie, and just following those guys, or, as it should have been, the Obi-Wan-Anakin movie following those guys, I would have loved it. I still, I still think that Qui-Gon has a place in that movie. I just think that Obi-Wan should have been the main character of the, of the prequels. I think it was, well, he kind of was after the first one, right? But well, that's the problem. He should have been the one. He should have been the first one. Who know. was the main character in the first Qui-Gon. Star Wars movie? It was Qui-Gon. Qui-Gon? Yeah. By far, yeah. easily. And then he gets killed at the end. Yeah. And then you get Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan. Yeah. And then transfer to Anakin. It, it, in a way, like, think about it like this. Like, if Obi-Wan was Qui-Gon, like Paul, I think, suggested he should have been, um, that means that like, if Qui-Gon would have trained Anakin, he wouldn't have turned out so bad. But, like, Obi-Wan was not ready to take on an apprentice. And he fucked it up. Well, there's no telling that if Qui-Gon trained Anakin, he wouldn't have gone that way. No, there isn't. Because, but... Qui- you know, even if Qui-Gon trains him, his mom still dies. He still wants to bone Padme. Like, all these factors that turn him to the dark side are still going to happen. True, but, but Qui-Gon wasn't as, like, rigid. He was a little bit more loosey-goosey with the whole, like, code... You had know. it been like, you know what? Why don't you go hit that? I won't, maybe, I won't he say or maybe he would have said, you know, like, maybe he would have looked the other way if Anakin wanted to go back to Tatooine, like, when he was 50. I don't know. This is all. Am I not, am I, how do you feel about the established part of the Jedi's not <laughs> being able to love and. Um, I think that it works pretty well in the prequels because it shows like how like um dogmatic the jedi were as like a a culture really like it shows how flawed their thinking is which ultimately was their downfall i think by the time you see luke interacting with yoda in the classic trilogy clearly they've changed their their the way that they approach because they're all training by that point but but i'm i'm pretty confident you're gonna see a much different like jedi order in the in 789 i think it gives a weird vibe to the jedi they also have they say it a million times we're not gonna fight a war for you we're not gonna fight a war for you we're keepers of the peace but But then they go fight a war for you we'll fight a war for you goes against the two the things that they say not the same as the actions that they take. Well, that's that's not exactly what happened. Qui-Gon said, uh, you know, I, I can only protect you. I can't fight a war for you. He was referring to a specific scenario when he was talking to the Queen in Episode 1. And doesn't and, Mace Windows say, we're not going to fight a war? We're keepers of the peace. We're not soldiers. Um, but that was before they had a clone army that they could command. What bothers me about the Jedi is that they can be keepers of the peace, and there's I I feel like the Jedi are there to be empathetic with the world and with people, and they're supposed to be in tune with everything, but they shut out all emotion. So how are you going to be in tune with the world and with these people you're supposed to be protecting if you don't allow yourself to feel compassion and love? and fear i think they should be open to all of that stuff but they just shut it out and yeah. it seems contradictory to the well, stuff that they're preaching all it the was time. their downfall right i mean it was flawed thinking and that's why there's no Jedi the downfall the was that they got hijacked with order 66 oh. and shot in the back of the heads which also but, is 
pretty fucking stupid. No, but but that mentality is partially what led to Anakin's turn. And a lot of this, on my part, is admittedly just objective. Because I grew up with an idea of what the old Jedi's used to be from the prequel, or from the original trilogy, and then George Lucas made it the fucking Catholic Church. And I was like, what the fuck? And I, I, I still don't understand... Why Anakin's not allowed? Why to... is it the Catholic Church? They're more like monks, wouldn't you say? More monks, whatever. Some religious sect. And why why can't Anakin call his mom? Why can't he call her up on the blue hologram thing and be like, "Hey, how's it going, mom?" Like, why is he not allowed to talk to her for ten years? Um, isn't it because you're like they take young children away from their families and then they why isn't anyone isn't that kind of a crazy thing that the Jedi that's, do that seems yeah it because seems if crazy they have is that like, what they do in like monasteries like is that what they do to monks I don't I, know I guess I mean it seems pretty I don't like that either it seems kind <laughs> of real, it like, seems kind of weird my Star Wars you would you would imagine that there would be some kind of it would be a voluntary terry thing or the, it would be a, a calling is that what happens monks go into service I, I, don't I don't know. They choose that? Like, you choose to be a priest? I would think so. So you would think that you would choose to become a Jedi Knight. You would think. I I don't know how monks are, but, I mean, obviously it was established that, you know, anybody that has some force juice going on. <laughs> Doesn't that seem gangster to just come and yeah. pluck fucking kids out? Doesn't that seem kind of Sith-like for them to do that? Just take them away from their families like that? Yeah, well, I, I mean... I think that it's clearly established that the Jedi did not have it right. Sure, I'm just but, saying that. It, but I th- for the if that's like you make a real you make a really good point and you make my argument like you validate my argument and make it part of the bigger the bigger storyline. But that's also that's somewhat rationalization. I like it, and that makes that makes me more comfortable with thinking that way. But it's not part of. It's not really part of the story. Well, again, and I know Ian doesn't like when I do this when I reference the novel, but like. Well, I'm, I'm just saying if we're talking about movie series, I shouldn't have to no, I, go I to a you. different. I hear you, but, That's all I'm saying. But it, I mean, like, it's it's there. I mean, it's out that, there. That's fine. So, but that's a great way to rewrite shit after you got it wrong on the film. Well, they wrote it like simultaneously with the movie. Did they? Yeah, I mean, you can always change. What, time. what you book did change? you? You can always change some shit. Matt, what book did you? You didn't like a movie, and then you read the book for it. Oh, Lords of Salem. I, I haven't gotten far at all in the life. I did Salem. that. I did that with Attack of the Clones. I hated Attack of the Clones so much, and I didn't want to. I wanted to understand it, and I was like, "Well, you know what? I'll get the novelization. More shit will be fleshed out in there." I'll understand it better. So I did. They do a little bit because I read the Actually, novelization isn't that of the first verse. They flesh out. They make they make all the Anakin Padme stuff. They they make it more believable. You buy it, yeah. I remember yeah. that like because Anakin there's, meets there's the more, parents or some shit. Yeah, they spend more natural time together. Nothing's as forced as it is as it is on screen. When Anakin goes to save his mother, that's a whole big gigantic section of the book. That they really grace over that I think would have lent some weight to the actual film. So when yeah. you left, you saw Attack of the Clones for the first time yeah. at a midnight show. Yeah. When you left that movie, yeah. how did you feel? I think I thought 
this was better than the Phantom Menace. I like that. I thought that was really awesome. See, like I was. <laughs> Me too. I was. I did too. You're both fucking stupid. I was really excited about having seen Yoda fight. I was like, that was really Mad cool. Matt. Oh, I, hated I liked it so that bad. too. I did. It. It was pretty exciting because, like, I remember like hearing shit like in this movie. Like, they weren't saying anything other than, you're going to find out why Yoda is the Jedi Master. I was like, oh, it's so cool. I can't wait to see what he does. I was so disappointed when we see him fucking jump around like a grasshopper and fight Count Dooku. I was so fucking mad because it was so over the top and so cartoony. Because I always had this idea that Yoda was above hand-to-hand combat. Yoda was so in tune with the Force that he didn't need to resort to using a lightsaber. And then they have him jumping around like, you know, any fucking Jedi Padawan. Just... Uh, that wasn't exactly like any Jedi. No, he I was... mean, it was it was, pre- it he... was good sword fighting. He was faster, and he was clearly, like, superior to anything you had seen yet. But, yeah, but you, under- you understand where, what I mean. Like, I, I didn't... Yeah. He, was, yeah. he should you be so thought... in tune, so powerful, he shouldn't need to resort you probably to fight imagined... someone like that. You probably imagined that Yoda was going to fight in the prequels at some point, but he would do so with the Force, and that's correct. It. I didn't even think that. I never thought that Yoda would fight as much as he ended up doing. I never. In both and same with second two. Films. Same with the Emperor. I, I never expected to see the Emperor other ignite than the a lightsaber either. Exactly, I agree. I thought that too, but when I saw it, I thought it was cool. I liked it. I couldn't hang. That's, see, that, I think that's where you and I like differ with these movies in general. That's kind of like the microcosm of our feelings toward it. You had a very specific thing in your head. It wasn't that, and you couldn't accept it for what well, it was. And I also had specific thoughts what it could be, but then when it wasn't, I still accepted it for what it was. That's correct, and I think, I think part of it's because it was the polar opposite in a lot of instances of what I was expecting. Man of Steel didn't deliver what I was expecting. But it was, it wasn't as sharp a contrast. They didn't do some stuff that I that I thought they should have done. I'm like, eh, okay. Too many Kryptonians for your blood. He should be the last Kryptonian at all times. But you didn't and, even like the whole big Krypton thing on the whole <clears throat> half we'll an hour in. on there. We'll get into that. I like that Krypton but dragons. The the prequels seem to go in the complete opposite direction. Of what I had put together from my knowledge of the original trilogy, yeah. that it's it's so hard for me to reconcile, and I don't want to be. I really try not to be the objective, the objective guy. I'm not Cameron Miller, a guy that Matt and I work with who just <laughs> shuts out everything. You hear that, Cameron? We're calling you out, buddy. Shuts out everything. I'm a little more forgiving about things. I will, if something's good, I'll acknowledge it. But some stuff like Yoda fighting with a lightsaber, particularly in Attack of the Clones, where it's way more over the top than it is in Sith, I, I can't do it. But, yeah, what well, I think it was slightly more over the top in Attack of the Clones. I don't think way more. I think that's an inaccurate thing. I mean, he was fucking jumping around. Object, objective opinion. Objective opinion. <laughs> but like, I totally respect what you're saying. Like, there were certain things that you just had a hard time kind of accepting because it wasn't what you thought it was going to be, and you didn't like what it ended up being. Can't argue with that. If there was one point in mine and Ian's friendship, we've been friends, what, 13 years now? Yes, somewhere around there. If there was one defining moment where we almost came to fisticuffs, 
actual laying laying on the hands of each other. It would have been right after Attack of the Clones. It's a good thing that you were in the third row of my van at that point because I remember driving home. You know, were you still going out with that girl? No, no, no. At this point, I'm at with my current significant other. Mm-hmm. And who actually enjoys Star Wars. Did she like Attack of the Clones? I think at the time she did. She probably still does now. She's uh, not as hardcore as we are. But She's we, more forgiving. Yes. I'm pretty fucking hardcore and I like it. That's true. That's true. But uh, we're driving home probably 3 in the morning or somewhere around there. Midnight show. And I asked around. It's got to be better than Phantom Menace, right? I said, did you like it? I really liked it. Holy shit. It was so awesome. And I looked back. I looked in the... <laughs> rearview mirror and you're shaking your head and you're like I hated it <laughs> and I wanted slam on the brakes dive back there and strangle you Since I was then, I was on an island yeah in that in that van and that's a movie that I, I couldn't even pretend like I was just so appalled by it, it went against every fiber of my Star Wars life. You're appalled every day. I was... I, oh. no, no, besides... Be, bes- <laughs> <laughs> that was such a courtesy laugh. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> now, besides... Yeah, your Yoda, courtesy laugh sucks. Besides <laughs> the uh, Yoda stuff, what kind of things did you dislike about... Can I answer this for him? Um, actually, yeah, let, let's do yes, that. because he would answer for you. So go ahead. Aww. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> and I believe you're going to answer this truthfully. Yeah, you're not going to be a prick. No, it was it was the love story. The not even the love story. It was the the delivery. The um, the way that the love story. Everything from the acting to the dialogue to the to just the lack of there being any type of drama or predicament to put the Anakin and Padme through. Like, in my opinion, that love, quote-unquote, love story could have, like, really flourished had they been in peril. Similarly, they should have just fucking copied what they did in The Empire Strikes Back and put Han and Leia in these situations where they're on the run from the Empire... They should have had Anakin and Padme on the run from maybe bounty hunters or something like that. Um, and I would have thought it would be cool because he was there to protect her. You never saw him protect her. They there just are, went on a bunch of fucking dates. Yeah, they went on a lot of dates. There are already so many similarities visually between Empire and Attack of the Clones. There are, like, but maybe just thematically. Why not mimic that, um, that love story? But with that love story, one cool thing about... Did I get that right, by the way, Paul? That That's like... Probably the biggest problem, biggest flaw with that movie. Yeah, yeah, that, um, that, and the the relationship between Obi Wan and Anakin. Because yeah, it's you, not, you, it's not well established. You hear about how they're great friends, but you only hear it because they're saying that they're great right. friends. You don't see any of the trouble that they get into together. You don't really feel like they're friends at all because when Anakin's talking to Padme, all he says is. Oh, he's bringing me down. Oh, I should be better than him. Yeah. What That's the fuck? In one of my favorite cringeworthy scenes uh, is when Anakin says, Master Obi-Wan would be very grumpy. Oh, it's so bad. Oh, it fucking... Uh, Virtually it all of Anakin's dialogue to Padme is terrible. However, it was it was on purpose written terribly. 
on purpose? Why? Yes. Because George Lucas is a bad writer. Well, no, like that's he not actually, on purpose. That's just he actually said in the audio commentary on that movie that like. It's really melodramatic on purpose. Like, he actually... I don't agree that it was the right move, but he rationalizes it by saying, you know, these are, like, teenagers in love. Like, a lot of things that they're saying is, like, kind of, like, hot air. It's just kind of, like... Yeah, but you can do teenagers in love much better. See the amazing Spider-Man, and you can see... Teenagers being melodramatic. I, I agree, but remember, this is a space opera. This is like it's supposed to be very serialized and over the top. Yeah, Just, it, it's it's consistent somewhat with the dialogue that kind of like goes through the entire saga. Um, it wasn't that bad. We never Empire saw Strikes Back. No, 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 it wasn't. But that wasn't a teenage romance. This was a fucking angsty teenage romance that we had never seen in Star Wars. What I didn't pick up on until this latest time that I watched it, probably because there are so many other things that I didn't like about Attack of the Clones that bothered me more, was how fucking creeper and stalkery Anakin is through that entire movie with Padme. When they first get there, he's like, I can't, I don't, I can't think, I've just, since we got back, I was like, oh, let's just can't handle it. And there was, I don't exactly remember that part. But. I'm, I'm over-dramatizing it, clearly, but he's he doesn't deliver anything with with any real like level or sincerity, he delivers it like, "Oh my god, I just have to be with this girl. Or I'm gonna fucking die." And he says he he has a line like that later on when Padme's breaking up with him in the sexiest outfit she she could. Why find. was she what doing a bitch that? With that, he says something like, if, "He he says something like if 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 I'm not with you, I'll just fucking die." And he doesn't say it like fucking like Romeo, Batman? like delivering. <gasps> he, I'll fucking die from the. He doesn't say it like Christian he's delivering this, this just heartbroken, I, I just love you so much. He delivers it like, if you're not with me, I'm going to kill you and then kill myself. And it's so <laughs> fucking creepy. And after watching those movies again, I don't want to hate on Hayden Christensen anymore. No one involved in the, making those movies wanted to make a bad movie. But someone gave that cat some bad direction because he is fucking creepy in that movie. Yeah, I know I, you're talking about the fireside chat. Yeah, <laughs> wink, wink. The fire, the fireside chat when she has the sexiest outfit in yeah. her wardrobe, and she's to like, break up we, with that. Yeah, dude. we can't be together. But look, look at, at my me. tits. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about because I also went back and watched these movies recently, and he has a look in his eye that is like, it's it's where he goes. If you are suffering as much as me, please tell me. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, it's so bad. He's, Holy shit, nobody can like, suffer like that, son. He's like fucking <laughs> angry. And yeah, his delivery fucking sucked there. And the writing was terrible. And here's the ironic thing. They actually hired a script doctor. Remember Jonathan Hale? They yeah. brought him in to like help with the script because that was one of the criticisms leveled but at the But he couldn't Menace. even save it. It just flatlined and they I think sent he made it to it market. Worse. I think he made it worse. Yeah. They probably should have brought a woman in to fucking write those scenes. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, it, because, you, you because have Because men to... can't write love? Is that what you're saying? Yes. You're, wow. I can't... It's <laughs> right there I, in front I, of I, you, dude. I think it's... I think it was just... If they purposely made those... That dialogue stink. That was a really bad play. 
because that's the central part of the entire story I agree. right there. I agree. There you was, have to you can't purposely make that suck. There was just no because chemistry. It's, teenagers. it's the, gotta be good. The only moment when it felt like there was any kind of genuine chemistry prob and the scene sucks, but it was probably the scene with where they're picnicking, like when they're outside and everything. Mm -hmm. Like that felt like maybe there's because the dialogue there is a little more natural. It's not quite as fucking heavy as it was in the fireside moment. I feel like when they're on the transport and she's that wasn't and she's, she's asking like, "Well, why can't the Jedi love?" And he's like, "Well, that's some bullshit." It seemed technicalities. That, <laughs> that conversation felt very natural. I don't think it was acted very well, but the dialogue yeah, was, yeah, yeah. It was a natural that. exchange for that time in the movie. I think the biggest flaw with their romance is that there's no real catalyst for her to actually care about this guy or fall in love with this guy. No, it's not even a real love. It's just, it's just. I think, just some kind of weird physical attraction yeah, kind like, of thing. Yeah, like, we're here, let's do this thing. Yeah. There's no, he didn't do anything to... Let's get it on. To be, he wasn't very charismatic. He didn't well, he, save her he from anything. He did the anything. whole thing with the fruit. He's like, watch this shit. And he did the force and flew the fucking fruit over and then she... Stabbed it, shitty CGI, he's and then so, ate it. He's so mad and angry all the time. He's like, real, why yeah. do you like this guy? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, and all he does is complain about his boss and his work environment. That's all he does is complain. Well, he complains and lusts for her, and maybe she yeah. likes that attention. But anyway, um, clearly those scenes are the worst aspect of the movie. On the flip side, I actually think the plot with Obi Wan is fucking killer. I think like sending him almost on like this mystery to figure out is really intriguing. Um, and Paul has a comment on that, which brings me to one of my one of my gripes about the prequel trilogy in general. Go for it. I like Obi Wan's plot. I wish they would have used someone other than a Boba Fett ripoff, <laughs> but you know he's a popular character and they want to get him in there. Um, well, that, that goes back to the whole thing. George Lucas can't do anything without people bitching about it. It's like, everybody wants fucking Boba Fett. He's like, okay, I'll make him like this main character. I'll give you the original character because, you know, maybe he's too, like, young to have him be a big-time character in this. So, here, here's Django Fett. Why would he be too young? Uh, we haven't established. No, he he could have just straight up did Boba Fett. He could have been he made, an yeah, alien race that lives for a thousand yeah, years. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. And... In my honest fairness, I I didn't want Boba Fett. I didn't want him. I didn't want that wink and <clears throat> grin at the camera in the special editions. Mm -hmm. I didn't want him at all. He didn't need. He needed to be in two movies: Empire Strikes Back and the beginning of Return of the Jedi, and that's it. And that guy caught fire because that's all you get. That's all you don't fucking know about. Because he was guy. cool and mysterious. Exactly. Yeah, weren't you guys bitching that Darth Maul should have been in it more? If he had, like, would it he makes more saturated. It's not the same. Sucky? Let's not get that confused. It's not the same thing. It's Darth exactly Maul, the same thing. It's not, it's not the same thing at all. Darth Maul could have easily slid in and been a main villain through three films. Uh -huh. That's not what Boba Fett could have been. Boba Fett's purpose in those movies was not the same as what Darth Maul could have been. At yeah. all. I think because I think because Darth Maul started because Darth Maul started at the beginning. You had Ian wants to make his point louder. You had time and space. I like that. To it, flush it drives him, it home. You had time and space to flush out Darth Maul. You knew after Phantom Menace, he was a hit with the fans. You had time to make that character bigger. By the time Jedi was done, 
and Boba Fett was as big as he was, that was it. That was the end. So instead of having a chance to flesh him out on something else, they kind of shoehorn his history, and so you get more of him, even though it's not really him. How Boba Fett, different does, than Boba Fett doesn't Warning. kill the main character of the first film. How's that different than shoehorning in, like, Obi-Wan's backstory? I, I, I don't understand. Because Obi-Wan's, an, because it's Anakin's backstory, and Obi-Wan's an integral part of that. Right. Boba Fett didn't need to be an integral part of Anakin's backstory. As far as, as far as anyone needed to know, Darth Vader needed a bounty hunter. So he got on fucking Bounty Hunters or Us. Yeah, right. And called up a bunch. Like, you guys. Craigslist. <clears throat> so. Bounty Hunters needed. Yep. Hey. In the classifieds. <laughs> a, a, problem, a problem that I had with the prequels is that it seemed like George Lucas and the creators wanted. They took unnecessary steps to make this world an alien universe, not our world. They throw out silly stuff like, uh, like the chance cube, or death sticks, or death sticks. To say, oh, we don't. We're so different. We don't use dice. We don't use cigarettes out here. We use death sticks, or we use a chance cube. But then they contradict themselves by robot putting football. fucking Mel's Diner in the middle of Coruscant, or putting the robot football game on the TV in that bar. Yeah, it's like they. They don't know which way they want to go with it. I'd rather them have just had... I'd rather them just called it Dice, or just called it Cigarettes, and had Mel's Diner, or go the other way, and just keep saying silly things like Chance Cubes and Death Sticks, and not have such a... such a earthen thing in that rare universe. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of the football game on the TV in that sports bar. That was kind of weird, I thought. The whole place was sort of weird like it felt a little bit out of place for star wars um but i don't know i mean in the original movies there were you know some like kind of earthy type things like the um the, the cantina band playing like oboes and shit i mean yeah but the cantina like clarinets yeah but the cantina band didn't play but even oh, and this is a this is probably a conversation for the special editions. But even the Cantina Band and A New Hope, they played some weird shit, and a guy played a fucking fan. Like there was enough weird Bad shit ass. to make them alien. That when oh that guy's clearly playing a clarinet, it it doesn't stick out to you like a fifties diner in the middle of an alien planet, or when in Jedi in the special edition when they take a weird alien song by an alien band. And they get rid of that, and they put in a fucking blatantly <coughs> poppy from the planet Earth dance number. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of what they did in Return of the Jedi special edition. There, I'm, I don't like that. But anyway. but Obi Wan's general story, you know, finding the the dart and stumbling across the clone army. Mm-hmm. I, I think get, down with that. I think that's <clears throat> awesome. And again, this is another strong point of the movie. They introduced really cool worlds again. Um, Kamino, I think Kamino is one of the fucking coolest Star Wars planets, the, the water planet. I mean, like they do. You know, there's only so many elements you can touch on. You know, they fucking did the the forest moon of Endor. They did the the snow planet, the desert planet. 
The well, city planet? The city planet. Well, what else? Okay, a water planet. And they hit it, and it's cool, you know? And the architecture is so unique. Like, you finally see, like, these these Ralph McQuarrie concept paintings come to life, like, for the first time. Because they didn't quite, you know, I don't think exactly bring them to life. Because the they didn't have the technology then. Exactly. But now you're seeing it. You're seeing these really sweet <clears throat> fucking things. And, uh, yeah, the Camino planet was super cool. And, um, and, and just, I, I, Paul's going to disagree with me, but I thought when Obi-Wan gets to Kamino and he interacts with the chancellor, or the, whatever, the prime minister of Kamino, and then he, and then he starts, um, dealing with, uh, Jango Fett and he meets him and they have that like little exchange and Obi-Wan's like, you can tell there's like that twinkle in his eye where he knows that Jango's full of shit. And um, I just I love that interaction. I think that that, that stuff is so good. And, and I basically, just wish it wasn't Django Fett. I I understand your criticism. It could have been Joe Smith the bounty hunter, but, and I would have been okay with that. But I think it's pretty fucking cool because you know Django Fett is Boba Fett. He's got all the cool shit that Boba Fett he had. He had the jetpack. He had the missile on his back. The only difference is now we're actually seeing him use that shit. And he's Australian. You got something against Australians? I hate Australians. Okay. I think that's just something you're going to have to deal with yourself. Um, but, uh, and, and another thing, um, and this goes back to The Phantom Menace, another incredibly strong aspect of the, of the movie's soundtrack. These soundtracks were rich with great fucking themes. Like, Duel of the Fates from episode one. Phantom Menace is the only soundtrack that stands out to me. The other two are just, they just blend in with the rest of the movie. See, I'm, I'm gonna have to disagree with, like, with a lot of disagreement. Um, (laughs) the episode two had, um, the big standout is the love theme, which, the love story sucked, but that fucking theme was killer, I think. Um, and then, you know, the, the third movie, without getting too far into it, had a couple, like, really cool themes, particularly the Battle of the Heroes. That had a, you know, kind of a good, like, standout. But, yeah, the, Obi- the, the Obi-Wan I'm, subplot... I'm the Obi-Wan subplot is really strong in Episode 2, I think. You know, where he's, like, kind of playing... The Don't you think it's weird that he goes to talk to Yoda, and he's like, ah, oh, I don't know how I'm gonna find this planet... And some Padawan's like, hey, shouldn't you look it up at the library? And they're like, fuck yeah, we should go look it up at the library. <laughs> Don't you think that's weird? That some Padawan just came up with that? That Obi-Wan had to come and have counsel? And some fucking brat kid told him, hey, look it up on the internet. No. Um, because okay. <laughs> well, that, that's not the way it went down. He, he didn't tell I, him to go. I watched that part. That is how it went down. It's not. Uh, I'll tell you how it went down. He didn't tell okay. him to go look it up at the library. The kid said that um, it's not there because somebody deleted it. Isn't that isn't that sort of the same thing? No. No? Well, Obi- it's not Obi- the same Obi- kind of jewel to the puzzle Obi- provided Obi- by some kid? Obi-Wan well, the, the went kid to the library and... Couldn't find it. And, and some he kid was... tells him? And some kid's just like, hey, well, the kid about this? The kid offered a more, like, like pr- a perspective where it wasn't being overthought. Obi-Wan was overthinking it. Well, how can this be? And the kid just, it's like, well, it's obvious. This is it. And then Yoda, like, confirms that. Like, yeah, you're overthinking it. I don't know. 
That part never bothered Seems me. Seems silly. But that, it just I, seems like a nitpicky thing. That's I was okay. checked out I guess. so far. It just seems silly. It's not the biggest point that I didn't like. It's just something that seemed odd. Um, so, again, uh, then you get further into the movie where you have Anakin and Obi-Wan reunite, and then they have the big fight in the arena and all that shit. Um, oh, before that, though, one of the worst scenes in any of the Star Wars movies, and, and these all add up to, this is the reason why Attack of the Clones is my least favorite of the six, um, the droid factory? The video game factory? That shit was added in. They weren't even going to put that in the fucking movie. And it was added in. And that also leads to some of the worst fucking one-liners in the history of, like, movies. And that's with C-3PO when he gets his head switched. Yeah. And put on the droid and he has all those terrible one-liners. Like, this is such a drag and I'm so beside myself. Uh, That's like worse than Jar Jar Binks. That was so fucking bad. Die, Jedi dogs! It was. It, I would agree it was worse than Jar Jar Terrible. Binks. Pretty and bad. It, and, and it really hurts the moment because the Jar Jar stuff in The Phantom Menace, at least it like wasn't going on like in the exact same like space as like the Obi Wan in Qui-Gon fight with Darth Maul. That was like happening separate. But like the the C3PO shit is right in the thick of this huge arena battle which on paper should be awesome, but then you, you throw shit like that in it. It really brings it down. But like, I mean, with that said, seeing like for the first time, I mean, we saw some Jedi's kicking ass in The Phantom Menace, just two of them, right? But in the second movie, you see them as a force. You see them all kind of unite. And, like, Do you think it was a lightsaber overkill at all? Um, no, I don't. Uh, because it's the one and only time you see it. It was if, if that was the way that the prequel or you know episode three was the whole time, maybe I would have like gotten tired of it. But up to this point, we had essentially gone through five Star Wars movies, because it's not until the end that you see it, and then they just give all this shit to you. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, and then that leads to the cool ground battle, which is kind of reminiscent of the Battle of Hoth, but it was a little more intense, but still not quite as fun, just because it wasn't quite as focused as the, the Hoth battle. Well, those movies as a whole aren't as fun, because... Well, mainly maybe, because maybe they don't—they don't know. There's no natural comedy in any of those movies. Any of the jokes. There's a couple times yeah. where the comedy is really natural, like in the very beginning of *Phantom Menace*. Obi Wan and Qui Gon jump in, into the hangar, and yep. Obi Wan's like, "Well, you're right about one thing. The negotiations were short." That was uh, a re- Let's hear the laugh again. <laughs> I forget how I did it. Before. The courtesy. <laughs> <laugh>. <laughs> uh, uh, and there's the there's the the little bit when. Um, they wheel in the, at the end of Attack of the Clones where they wheel out Anakin and Padme and chain them up. Yeah. And Obi-Wan says something like, oh, you're here to rescue me. Yeah, good there's job. Like, good job. And there's some, there's some natural stuff like that that happens, but it's so few and far between. And the in-between time is when it's the fucking R2-D2 yeah, Charlie yeah. Chaplin hour in the beginning of Sith or 3PO with the See, I think the, the, R2, factory. the R2-D2 stuff doesn't even compare to, like, Jar Jar Binks or C-3PO. The C-3PO stuff is the worst. And, yeah, yeah, R2 stuff is way better, but it's still it's still blatant 
silly droid comedy for the sake of droid comedy. And I feel like some of the other droid things that, that drag the, the overall movie down is whenever they're having a conversation, you're explaining something, it's always the same shot for shot where they sit down on a couch and there's camera A, camera B, and it's just them talking at each other. There's no kind of art to the, to the scenery. There's no kind of art to the shot. It's always just static camera, <clears throat> static camera, bang, bang, bang. During you the talking deliver. parts? Yeah. Isn't that the case for all six movies? Not really. No, not at all. They're not all shot for shot. The first three are very shot for shot, but not, not the other ones. There's other things. They during move the, the camera parts. During the talking parts, they move the they move the camera around. There's some other there's other things that happen during the. Well, Lucas isn't. Uh, he's he's not you know director extraordinaire. Yeah, the, no, and, and, and he didn't and he didn't direct the other. He didn't direct Empire Jedi. Empire Jedi. Maybe that's By why most it's accounts, like that. though, Return of the Jedi was really heavily influenced by George Lucas. Um, I know. That I'm just saying that that's. That's like, one of the things that's right about for me. I, that's a really interesting criticism because I can't... I'm having a hard time visualizing what you're talking about, like in the classic trilogy versus the prequels. So I need to go back and see that. There's just, a lot, of, there's just a lot of them sitting on a couch talking and explaining things. I there's a better way that you can move the story along or explain those things. There's I, just a more creative way that you can do it. I think it's almost... It's almost the nature of the story because in the prequels, there is a lot more exposition. There is a lot more talking because you have to, you have to, you have to explain all this shitty political stuff. Mm -hmm. But in the original trilogy, the story is real tight. It's real bang, 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 bang. It's real fast. So shit's always moving forward. There's yeah. less that if, you have to explain. If you take a good comic book artist that can move those panels along and has to deal with somebody talking. A good comic book artist can do people sitting on a couch in an interesting way. I'm not, just like a good, I'm not saying just like it's a not, good director can. I'm not saying it's not a like, fault, but I'm saying that I think the story lends to that more static kind of filming. Sure, and is that a criticism of the story then? Should maybe the story have not been so politically heavy? I don't... I, I, part of the reason I don't like the prequels is I just don't... I just don't like the story. I'm just not. I'm just not interested. The, the story is. Um, I feel like it's more interesting the more you like kind of examine it and think about it, like because it's it's not black and white. It's not clear. It's kind of like, well, how exactly did all this happen? Because it all happened like from within through manipulation. It wasn't just a force came in and took over power. Basically, I mean, it was much more of like a. Um, you know, like a twelve-step plan for it to happen. So it's it's if you stop and you really think about it, it's definitely interesting. And that's fine. It can be interesting. I don't think that you have to tell it in the way that it was told. Um, I would really suggest sit down and watch those moments. They'll leap out to you, where they're just sitting on a well, couch. I've seen the movies. I've seen the movies many times. So I, I mean, like I know I know the, the couch scenes. Like I know in episode. Two, there were a couple. There's the one in the very beginning when they go and they talk about you know their mandate with um, Padme and how you know they're there just to basically offer security and then not to look for the you know the assassin. And then there's another sequence where oh no that was I don't know if there was any other ones in 
clones. There were a couple in Sith, though. There were a couple in Sith. I'm just saying that it's it's boring, and maybe if you have a fresh eye and look at it, it'll jump out. I think it's the writing and the story that you're finding boring. It doesn't matter how they film it. I For me, it doesn't matter how they film those movies. I know you like all the manipulation and political intrigue, but I wish they would just would have been faster, quicker, and even simpler stories. I think there was there were too many moving parts to hold my personal interest. It's funny because that's George Lucas's whole thing: faster, more intense. That's how he wants to deliver. Like you know, that's yeah, his directing the, style. All the stuff in the Senate and all the Trade Federation stuff, like it just dragged it just dragged stuff down for me. Like every time those scenes come on. And they start talking politics. Did you think that the Senate scene in the in the Phantom Menace was terrible? I thought it was boring. I thought it was really cool to see how the Senate works, like because you hear about it in Episode Four, yeah. and then you fucking see it. But do I you need to see really it cool. in the, the eventual other two films as much as you do? And that that's wasn't just, that that's just personal preference because I don't um, think you need to see it. Well, I mean. I'm not, I, like, I never turn on CNN like, holy fuck, this is going to be sweet. Yeah, I mean, to your point earlier, you're saying, well, you don't ever see it. I want to see it. Well, here they're, you know, you get to see how the Chancellor gets his emergency powers in Episode 2, and then in Episode 3, you see how he literally turns it over into a dictatorship by announcing it as the Galactic Empire. And you see that, so that should make you happy. See, It I, was just boring. Maybe it should be more exciting. Okay. Should he have been, like, cutting people's, like, heads off and being like, this is the new empire, and he, like, cuts Mace Windu's head off there? I think I just don't need any of that stuff. <clears throat> I'm fine jumping in, knowing he's the emperor. He did some shit. I don't need to know. Clark Kent comes to Earth on a rocket. I don't need to know anything more than his parents sent him there. It's fine to... It, it is fine to see those things. It just felt drawn out. That's all. It felt like they took too long... To tell something that could have been streamlined, it's 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 a, they're they're totally they're totally different stories. And the older I get, and the the more I watch the originals and the prequels, they're just they're different stories. The prequels are so big, they're mm-hmm. so expansive. There's so many characters. There's so mm-hmm. many subplots going on. It's so different from the original three, which focuses on five or six characters. Yeah, it's, it's a much more intimate story. Yeah, and the much more in, uh, the much more intimate story is what I relate to much better. Like I'm just much more invested in that smaller story. I agree. I like the the classic trilogy better too, and I, I like that better. I like characters better in general. Um, but you know, I still like seeing Star Wars. You know, the prequels, double sided lightsabers, and, and you know, young is, Jedi. And there, and there are there are great moments in there that I still do like. And this is this is not to say that the three of us won't be there for episode nine or seven on opening night. Yeah, we'll be right and there. Or on the Saturday after. We'll all be there. Or on the Saturday after. I will probably be dressed up as Luke Skywalker for this one. <laughs> but you know, those prequels, man, they just they just fell so short. There's so many discrepancies between what they say in the originals compared to this one that they just I want all that continuity line up. What were some of the discrepancies? That Leia remembers her mother, but her mother's dead before she has any sense of consciousness. Mm, there's a couple that, like, explanations for that. That Obi-Wan says Anakin and him were such good friends, but, but you then never you only really see them get that feeling. on each other's nuts the entire time. That is true, however you also, I mean that entire conversation that Obi-Wan gives Luke 
was a fucking lie anyway. Like, he lied to him about... From a certain point of view. Right, but I mean, like... What a dick that Obi-Wan is. But, like, how do you know that wasn't the only thing he was lying about? Maybe they weren't as good of friends. Yeah, but see... Maybe he did have a sister. Who knows? Maybe he was trying to build his dad up a little bit. He was a really fucking great guy. Yeah, because when you go on a quest with this dude, he's like, you know what? Your dad was a fucking dick, and I had to cut all his appendages off. This kind of rationalization shouldn't happen. No. Like, it's... Why? Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe when I'm done saying this, you're going to be like, well, that's totally objective. But when Alec Guinness delivers that line, yeah. he delivers it with such gravitas, with such, such genuine emotion that you believe when you watch A New Hope that Obi-Wan and Anakin were like brothers. They were such good friends. They were so close. They grew up together. They went through this clone, these clone wars together. They're tight. And when he loses him... You, you really feel that. But in the prequels, the only reason you know they're buddies is because they say it to someone. Is because Anakin says, well, Obi-Wan's my mentor. Or, you know, Obi-Wan this. But you don't see that. And I don't want someone to say, well, if you go watch the Clone Wars animated series, then you'll see all of that. I shouldn't, I shouldn't have to go do extra research to get that. That should be in those movies. And it isn't. They try to shoehorn it in in the beginning of Clones when they're riding the elevator. He's like, oh, you saved me from that cave of this. <laughs> Master, I'm not counting that. And he gave him that fake-ass laugh. He was like, ha, 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 and they ha, do ha, it. ha, 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 <laughs> And they do it before um, Typho and Obi-Wan ship Anakin off to protect Padme. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, I don't count that time you saved me. But those What about are, in Revenge of the Sith? You get a little bit of it in the beginning. You know, they're joking around with each other, but you don't... There's no genuine warmth between those two yeah. characters. And maybe, just and, and maybe it's... I, there's not I, a ton. I don't agree that there's not. I think it's there's a, not a ton. I think it's a writing problem to start, but I also believe it's a chemistry problem. You have to put those characters too. in some kind of situation to have that be generated. You can't just have people right. on the screen telling you. There's I mean, no, like there's in the no beginning of Revenge of the Sith when Anakin has to save Obi-Wan, when the Chancellor tells him to leave, uh, leave him for dead, and Anakin's like, no... He's coming with us. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, but that's like that can that can be just some um, you know we don't leave any brothers behind. Not so much. This guy's my brother. I am not leaving without him. You know. Yeah. So you would have preferred if he would have added a line of dialogue in that said maybe a heartfelt line of dialogue and not a no. I fucking... I would have preferred this relationship was developed before then. Mm-hmm. So that when he delivers that, you know he's not leaving his brother behind. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it. I would have liked to have seen some more interaction between them as well. But it's a, it's a tough thing because you kind of do need to have them go their separate ways because you have to establish. I mean, the most important thing is you got to get Anakin together with Padme so that way they can you know make some little yeah. twin babies sure so that's the most important thing so you have to do that which is what episode two focused on and then you got to separate them at some point for episode three because you have to have them manipulated by the emperor so you know there's only so much time and but if it, you streamline again, some of that story and you don't have as many complex elements as you stated are involved in these stories maybe you can add that level yeah and again it's such, it's such a big story there's so much happening you only have room for so much you know Han and Luke are pretty good buddies but you're also just dealing with you know a handful of characters 
in a, right. a smaller microcosm of well, the universe. Well, the reason why you know they're good buddies is because you see Han come back and save Luke in the end of the first one. You see them interact. Even the scene... You see him go and risk his life to save him from the freezing temperatures in the second one. I mean, Even the scene at the very beginning of their relationship when Luke has the idea to put the handcuffs on Chewie. Like, the chemistry between those two... Like, you, you get it. You're like, all right, you got... This, this is essentially good cop, bad cop. And this is going to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the prequels, just for one reason or another, you you never you never feel Anakin and Obi-Wan are tight. No, and that I agree. Was, that's a that's an emotional beat that's seriously lacking for me in those movies. Because yeah, that's something I can really hold those on Those movies to. don't have the same... Um, the same chemistry between characters as the classic trilogy do you think that it might be accredited to the fact that they acted all these lines on a green screen maybe something is lost there i think some of the actors weren't quite suited for that style i've always like contended that the more classically trained theater actors flourished in roles like that that's why like your kind of British ones like did a better job Christopher Lee Liam Neeson Ewan McGregor Ian McDermott those are like the really powerful performances not so much uh, Natalie Portman not so much Hayden Christensen I think I think those are two of your most important characters why would you put them in such bad predicaments where they can't deliver well performances up to the level that you would expect my guess is they probably weren't aware that you know they weren't going to deliver you know what i mean like yeah you don't know until you're on the green screen and you have everybody there so it's a shame because i've seen natalie portman so many other things that's one performance that is just really regrettable is her throughout the star wars trilogy well, i think she was pretty especially bad in episode two because again it's the fucking dialogue that that's like the main thing but in episode one, you know, whatever, it was, I could take it or leave it. In episode three, I thought she was good. I don't, like, I don't think she was bad in episode three. She didn't have as much going on, but, like... I think that's, I think that's probably why, because there's less of her to critique. No, it's not because of that, because she's certainly more emotional in episode three, like, because she's, she offers a much wider range of emotion in the third movie, because, like, the heart's broken, and Anakin's turned out to be this fucking terrible, evil person. How surprising. He was a fucking creep in the last movie. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, why are you having fucking babies with this guy? Why'd you let him stay? Don't you know he's just gonna murder them whenever I get to kindergarten? <laughs> um, so, uh, do we want to real quickly get into uh, episode three a little bit more? Um, I think we can probably cut it right here at a whopping two-hour Two hours and 21 minutes. We didn't talk about episode three, dude. That's the best one of the trilogy. It is relatively the best one of the the trilogy. The fans want to hear. Alright, best part of of Revenge of the Sith. The first ten minutes where you actually see some good chemistry and some friendship between Obi-Wan and Anakin. First ten minutes reminds me of Return of the Jedi. And after that, I mean, it's fine. It's better than the first two. But um, I still have a hard time being fully invested. Mm-hmm. Ian, do you have any thoughts on episode three? Uh, I hated the Order 66. It seems like a weird way when you hear about 
how the Jedi were hunted down by Darth Vader and destroyed. I didn't think that they all just got shot in the back of the head by clone troopers. That part really rings hollow for me. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think you, like me, wanted to see Darth Vader in the suit, ki- killing Jedis, fighting, having these battles with Jedis. Like yeah. Darth Vader versus like three or four Jedi and taking them out. Yeah, we, we didn't know what we were going to get out of episode three. Like, we weren't sure. Because you knew Anakin and Obi-Wan were going to fucking fight. Yeah. You didn't know if it was going to be Anakin or if it was going to be Darth Vader. And if it was Darth Vader, was he going to be in the suit or was he going to be well, you knew that Anakin? you knew that they fought on a volcano. You knew right, that right. That's, that's how he became Darth Vader. And that's where I feel cheated because Sidious is... Well, now I pronounce you Darth Vader. So I'm like, George Lucas, we didn't even get to see Darth Vader fight. And George Lucas is like, well, technically you did get to see Darth Vader fight because that was his new name after the, after the Emperor pronounced well, him. So when, when did he become Darth Vader, Ian? Uh, whenever he saved the uh, Darth Sidious from Mace Windu. Mm-hmm. Sidious. Would you agree with that, Paul? Yeah, technically that's technically he became Darth Vader whenever he killed all the Sand people he gets, and went fucking crazy. He but. gets knighted as a Sith Lord after he sends Mace Windu out the window. I think so. that scene in particular is really fucking good. As a matter of fact, really any scene with Hayden Christensen and Ian McDermott together is like fucking. I was disappointed that so those you are take those it are that hard scenes because Ian McDermott is so good and Hayden Christensen is so bad. Do you take it that whenever the lightning was hitting? the Emperor's face, and it transformed him into this hideous being. I always thought that the Emperor was just old in Return of the Jedi, but he was transformed by lightning or something? I'm not clear on that. Um, he was clearly transformed by the lightning. How he, come Luke wasn't one in Jedi whenever he was hit with the same Because he didn't get as much lightning or as concentrated a dose. Again, rationalization, because as that's concentrated what, a dose of lightning. Because I, that's what George Lucas makes you do in the prequels. I... That's well, interesting. But what's what's your you're the you're the prequel guy. What's what's well? First of all, George Lucas doesn't make you do that in the prequels. You do that through all six movies. Um, I will take that statement at face value right now, and we'll reevaluate the original trilogy. Right now, and yeah, well, let's go. Let's go watch all six right now. <laughs> fucking ten forty two at Strap night. Strap in, folks. So, um, what was your question? I just thought it was weird. The Why? lightning transformed oh, yeah. into... So, um, I'm not clear on whether it was just the lightning that did it, because I also read some shit where, like, he had been using, like, the dark side of the force I've to, heard like, that. conceal his, like, natural look. And that's they, what he really looked his, like. His, like, his face, and in, in through years of, u- like, manipulating the dark force, had, like, kind of, like, mutilated his, like, physical appearance, and he was using the force to a degree to look kind of normal. Yeah. That's, I don't that's know. okay. I'm okay with that. That's what I always got too. Not so much the using the dark but, side to look normal. But, but and, and you need that explained? I don't need that explained. Like, I'm kind of cool with it being vague, really. It's just weird. It was just yeah, weird. Yeah, it's, 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 it's one of those weird things that fans are left to make up a reason on their own. But like, in return, in the original trilogy, I'm always left to believe that he's been using the dark side of the force so long that he just turned into that. Yeah. But it's but it's been over a great period of time, right. not over you know three minutes of getting hit by force light. Right. Which leads me to another time discrepancy that I can't fucking get over in the prequels to save my life. Yoda's alive for nine hundred years. Mm-hmm. He's nine hundred years old in Return of the Jedi, but he only ages 
within 10 years between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones? What? Like, he was pretty spry. In Phantom Menace, he looks different. You wouldn't know that's Yoda. But then by... Oh, the 10 years, 10 years later in Attack of the Clones, he looks like the Yoda we all know. They did... Clearly, they did a bad job on the puppet design. That's why they've gone in and changed it. They did? Yeah, they made it digital. So, if I pick up the most recent copy of Phantom Menace, Yoda will look like Return of the Jedi Yoda. Yes. With a little more hair. Yes. Really? Yeah. Fuck you, George Lucas. So, so wait, wait, hold you. on. Hold on. You were bitching that he didn't look right. They went back and they fixed it. They made him look right. And you, now you're mad again. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, I know it shouldn't be. I should be like, all right, you know what? You own your mistake. You went in and you changed it. Just like in the special edition, Luke tries to kill himself and then he screams and then they took it back out. He, he realized the mistake and he fixed it. But I think what I'm, what I'm mad about is that motherfucker went in and changed shit again. Just fucking leave it alone. It's released. Let it go. Like I said, but, he's you know, done. He has, he has. So, you know, did did you like the General Grievous character in Revenge of the Sith? I did. I thought he was. He kind of reminded me of maybe like what Jabba the Hutt was in Return of the Jedi. Like, kind of this brand new character, not exactly like integral to the you know the trajectory of the plot i mean obviously important but like not like a main main character that could have been any bad guy yeah um but visually and everything and, and i thought his voice and all that pretty fucking cool i didn't i didn't mind i didn't mind grievous so much. Um, i didn't need to see jabba and phantom menace i was no, okay I with that i i still contend that um jabba the hutt should be reserved until Return of the Jedi. Like, don't show him. Like, I think seeing him for the first time by the final movie is this disgusting slug. I think that's really cool. Like, I that would be a cool build. Really makes but it since pop. we've already seen since we've already seen that's him, true. Yeah, exactly. But it, like, there's I, no. I think the movies. Yeah, but there is for people who haven't seen. Them. Who are these people? Well, the younger there's generations. There's a shit ton of people who like, haven't seen the original. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, are kids now supposed to watch one through six or? You know, should you introduce them four, five, six, and then one, two, three? How would you show Matt Jr. the Star Wars movies? I would probably go one through six. Yeah. Um, I mean, Lucas has said Sprinkle that's... some Clone Wars in there? Um, maybe. Maybe yeah. go one, two, three, Clone Wars, and then... Or, I don't know, I guess technically it should be one, two, Clone Wars, three, three yeah. four, five, six, but... Um, I don't know. I've always kind of wondered that because you lose a lot if you don't do four, five, six, one, two, three. Because the whole Darth Vader revelation is just—I don't remember it as a kid because, like, I don't really remember kind of seeing it for the first time. I remember really? seeing Jedi and Star Wars for the first time, but Empire—I don't remember. I—I I feel like I always knew that he was Luke's father. I—I I, the only one that I saw in the theater in its original run was Jedi. Yeah. And I remember going to see Return of the Jedi. Yeah. But the, but um, the other ones, I, I, they were just taped off TV, and I watched them that way. Mm -hmm. um, so a, a couple more of the things, very quickly, because I know we're like, this is our longest podcast ever. 
what I did like about Revenge of the Sith, well, I can say this. Um, it's easily in my top three favorite out of all six. Um, I think the darkness, the overall darkness of it is so different for Star Wars. Like, that montage where Order 66 is executed and, like, all these fucking Jedi are getting, But do you like, like Order 66? Order weak sauce. Well, I, I... Yeah, I'm fine with it. I mean, I think some of the... I don't know exactly what to believe as far as Master Sifo-Dyas that was mentioned in Episode 2 mm-hmm. going in and cre- like ordering the creation of the clone army. I don't know if that was really Sidious pulling some strings or if that was Dooku or if there really was a Jedi named sifo that went in and saw like the corruption that was taking place and was like, we gotta get a fucking army for the Republic. And then maybe Dooku came in later and had Order 66 implemented in these things, so that way they would turn. Um, I'm fine with it. It makes just sense. The, just the fact that this powerful force that was the Jedi Order mm-hmm. that lasted so long was basically just had the rug pulled out from underneath yeah. them. That, to me, that undercuts the power of the power of the force. Well. Again, again, they were clouded by the dark side that's established, so they didn't see these kind of things coming. And they had already made questionable decisions yeah, by they, not allowing each other to get busy. Right. They, the, their entire philosophy was flawed to begin with. So, yeah, I mean, I was fine with it. It makes sense. It just makes your heroes look weak, I think. Well, they get defeated. So. It makes them look stupid and weak. Apparently for the Jedis, there was something wrong. With a little bump and grind. <laughs> so, um, I, again, another great aspect of episode three was the, the locations. You know, the volcano planet was really cool to see that. You didn't um, think the final fight was a little too big and crazy? Well, I don't like it as much as the fight at the end of The Phantom Menace. Um, partially because The Phantom Menace fight was like two against one. Double-sided lightsaber had Darth Maul. I think Darth Maul's cooler than Anakin. Well, there, the the Phantom Menace fight was, it was a lot of choreography. <laughs> it was a lot of, um, it wasn't just raw emotion, right? Which I think the the fight in Sith should have been. It should have been fight less. Empire was raw emotion. It was um, not no. so much as the fight in Jedi. Jedi, yeah. Je- the I th- fight I in disagree. Jedi. I think the fight in. It Empire was, was equally emotional. No, it was it was raw emotion from, yeah. from Luke's side, but yeah. Vader's just fucking with him the whole time. Jedi, I Jedi. Guess. He's trying. I mean, he's trying to both just. He's trying to play him. He's trying to get him to a certain point of vulnerability, where he can let him know and try to get him to join him. Right, but the the fight in Jedi is brutal. I mean, when when and when the Luke Empire is not. No, because no. Luke gets his ass kicked. That's pretty brutal. Yeah, but he doesn't. Vader, is Vader doesn't even him, try, though. and he still kicks his. And ass. Luke doesn't try in Jedi either. Yeah, he Luke goes his... off on it. He, and lo- knocks, he loses he cuts his shit. Off his hand he loses and his shit and cuts off his hand, but he's That's not trying. I... He says, "I won't fight you." In the beginning, in the beginning, okay, it was yeah, more of a then, defensive thing. But, but in the beginning, and then whenever he, he turns goes, his shit around, he the goes, old cyborg is like, "Holy fuck!" Yeah, he doesn't stand a chance. He goes off, and then it's just raw emotion, and that should have been, that should have been Obi Wan and Anakin. And Sith, 
But there was, and I don't have a problem with that fight. But there was a lot of jumping around, a lot of falling off stuff, a lot of swinging a lot through of, the air, a lot of balancing on different things, a lot of different locations. Well, that, and I know that they wanted it to be the big fight. This is the big epic battle. But I think it would have been just as epic if those two were just going at it relentlessly well, until one of them's so exhausted he loses. That's kind of what happened. I mean, Anakin. It is Anakin just went after Obi Wan. If you watch that fight. All Obi-Wan does is backpedal the entire time, and Anakin just goes after him, like, the whole time. And all Obi-Wan's doing is trying to defend himself, and he can't get any kind of upper hand until he chops he has the shit the higher off. ground. Yeah. Um, and to me, it was very clear that Obi-Wan was totally outmatched. I mean, he just put himself in a strategic position to, you know, take care of Anakin. But up until that moment... It was just a matter of time until he got killed. His best line delivery in all three of those prequels is at that moment when he cuts off Anakin's things and he's screaming at him and he's crying. He's saying, you were the chosen one. Yeah. Fuck. That's, that's, that's probably that's the best moment of him, those yeah. prequels. And, and even Hayden Christensen's delivery at that moment was pretty intense, too. Even right? all fucked up and you could feel the hatred But like seeing that kind of stuff in a Star Wars movie, no less, I mean, it was unprecedented. It was fucking dark. It was really dark, and it was cool. And, and it, it, in the last hour of that movie, it, it really starts to like get sucked back into classic trilogy stuff. You're just starting to feel it again. Like you see the Tanif, uh, what is it, the Tanif V four? Tanif V four, um, just sweet ass Jimmy Smiths. What? Yeah. So I mean, and then how do you feel about Padme's death and she died because? I hate it, and I will say that it is without a doubt the biggest flaw of that movie because I I can't imagine how a a mother would give up on her children that were just born. She would lose the will to live. If they wanted to change that fucking aspect of the movie and have those droids basically come in instead of saying she's lost the will to live, have them say... She's lost a lot of weight. She lost a lot of blood uh, from internal injuries like from Anakin or whatever. And that's cool. And that makes better sense. I mean, Palpatine plays Anakin and says, it seems like in your anger you killed her, and he thinks he did. He probably just should have done it, and that would have made it even I don't, more I don't think they wanted to make Anakin that bad. See, they, killed, they already pushed too, that movie so dark. He killed an entire kindergarten exactly. full of kids. Exactly. I don't think they gave a fuck about how bad they wanted to make him. Well, Paul's right. I think they did. Yeah, but it killing, makes him look worse. It makes him look, his wife or whatever. Yeah, killing your but, wife. But to your point, that's pretty much right. what he did, though. Yeah, but they that that's why they don't say it. That's right. why they make it. Oh, she lost the will to live, so they don't make Anakin that bad. Because, because I think at some wanted, point that him, was crossing some lines. Right. They want him to somehow re- stay redeemable. Like he, you know, redeems himself at the very end in the sixth movie. But um, I agree with you. I mean, he he went past the point of no return in in Sith by killing the kids. I think it's yeah. like I think he's they, just a motherfucker. It was a weird. It was a weird turn. Like, it, and it's a strange thing as an audience. Were you accept? So well, you ex- you would accept him killing a whole bunch of Jedi, but the children, the Padawans. That's really fucked up. And well, um, they kind of establish it in the Empire Strikes Back, where um, they 
where Yoda explains once you go down the dark path forever will it dominate your destiny. Well, Anakin went down the dark path when he chopped off Mace Windu's arm and then he pledged allegiance to Palpatine. And he, well, he yeah, probably went down knee. the dark path when he killed all and, the sand people. Yeah, but fuck those guys. They were raping, <laughs> they were raping so, his mom. You gotta so, kill those dudes. I mean, and I think that's such a cool scene too where like Palpatine's standing there and he he's like gonna think of his name and it's almost like he's he lets like the dark side of the force like call the name to him. And I wish like, he would have been like Darth Schmader. No Vader. <laughs> and um, so, Paul, something that I wanted to touch on also that you had said earlier about like an inconsistency about how Leia was like I you know I kind of remember images of my mother. Um, I was thinking about that recently, and um, I think that something that again rationalization but i think this is pretty cool this is a i think totally viable um because leia obviously has some force ability she uh on a subconscious level was able to like tap into the force and see like fragments of memories like of her mother almost just like her mother being sad whether or not it was at the very end of her life or if it was like even like leading up because Padme seemed pretty sad in Revenge of the Sith um, because Yoda again in The Empire Strikes Back explains that through the force you're going to see um, you know loved ones memories long gone and things like that so I was like well okay yeah, yeah. I think that's cool it could happen but yeah. it's rationalization it, right? it, it is but it's using established like and that's and canon yeah I get it, yeah. and it makes sense, and it's good rationalization, but it still makes me mad because if you confront George Lucas with that, that's what he's going to give you. If you confront George Lucas with, how come Yoda only ages these ten years of his existence? They'll be like, well, he's he's uh, that's the kind of alien that he is. They know that kind of that that race only ages for ten years. What? Yeah, I mean, he'll it's you it's can rationalize you can rationalize anything, no matter how good it is. You can rationalize it. Well, they, Clearly, didn't, they didn't rationalize Yoda because they said, oh, yeah, he doesn't look quite yeah, right. right. Well, right. But before that. before I knew that information, <laughs> up, you know, up until 20 when minutes ago. you thought that your argument had validity. Right. Right. Up until I knew they, they went back and changed them because they clearly, you know, admitted one mistake out of a fucking thousand. <laughs> that that held water. Now, now it doesn't. But yeah, I mean, that, that's fine rationalization for that, but that's, that's all it is. I mean... I'm sure George Lucas wrote that, and he goes, oh, it doesn't really line up. Get out of here. But then the fans are they're like, oh, mm, she, uh, the force, the force. Mm. I mean, there's just a lot of guesswork. Is that the way I said it? I'm a fan, I'm a fans in general, not our esteemed colleague, yeah. Matt Cassell. No, there, there's just a lot of that that we've done tonight. We're like, oh, well, it could, it be, it could be like this. Or maybe if you put this and this See, and this but, and this and this. But that's like, I mean, you're using kind of what... Context clues? You, yes, context clues from all the movies, and you are applying them using its own logic sure. to things that are not explained. And, I mean, no movie explains every fucking little thing, right? I, I don't know. I don't know if it's my simple lizard brain, but... <laughs> simple lizard but brain? J.K. Rowling, in those Harry Potter books, everything is planned out from front to back. I mean, like, there are no plot holes, there are no inconsistencies, there's no weird shit, she has everything 
everything taken down. And I know it's a totally different writing format because she had this entire opus all together at one point. So she was able to put stuff in Sorcerer's Stone that would come back in Deathly Hallows. And George Lucas was just flying by the seat of his pants. True. He made Star Wars, and he was like, holy fuck, this is a gold mine. We need to make more. So he did. But you can always go back and check your work and make sure that what you're saying is going to line up with what you've already yeah, said. Yeah, and there, and there would have been simple ways for stuff to line up. Is like, there other, like, big... Because I feel like there was some big, like, kind of glaring ones. I mean, that... The uh, the whole thing where Leia remembers her mother always kind of bothered me until just recently, and I was like, okay, that makes sense. I'm going with that. Fuck it. Well, well, like, see, I don't think we should have to go with anything. I think she could have lived. They could have hidden her and Leia on Alderaan. But when you do that, I'm like, well, why do the babies need split up at all? Well, or, I mean, couldn't she have been talking about her adoptive mother? It seems odd that they would send... Yeah, you know she is. So they're going to split the babies. Maybe that's rationalization on my part. They're going to split I, the yeah, they're going to split the babies up. Why would you send Luke Skywalker back to Tatooine? Wouldn't that be the first place you would check if you're Darth Vader? Well, maybe Or the last place hide in plain sight? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it just seems odd. And and not change his name? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Matt, our yeah. our our uh, you know prequel champion has given us one of the best plot holes <laughs> in the Star Wars But, but that's all, that goes back to the classic trilogy. It's like, what? Skywalker. Yeah, that is, Where that have is, I heard that before? That, is never, always, that has never crossed my mind. I always before. thought, well, I guess Skywalker is the Smith of the Star Wars universe. <laughs> Luke Smith. I wish there were just a shitload of Skywalkers. Well, that, the, you know, that goes back to all the... The, the same the same amount of families that keep running into each other it's like there's only five families in the entire universe and I you know just get tired of like the, the Fats and Skywalkers and everyone's you get the same people all the time because those are the famous people that George Lucas wants to yeah. keep putting in other movies the Wookiees well not even the Wookiees Chewbacca in particular did not need to be in those movies. I agree. But they shoehorned him in there because, well, Chewbacca's popular. Let's it, put him in there. It didn't hurt anything, though. Like, I mean, yeah, he didn't need to be, but it wasn't like, oh my god, what the fuck are they doing? Maybe it was to some people. I was pretty indifferent to it. They it wasn't. It to. wasn't the I worst was, thing in the pre. I was fine. They didn't and need then, to. There are a lot of other Wookies. One, one little thing, talking about Yoda. Were we talking about Yoda? Maybe I was just talking about him in my head. Um, but the sequence when they initiated Order 66 and they killed all the Jedi, um, and then you see the, the two like biker scout-style clones come up behind Yoda, and he senses it, and then he does that backflip, and he decapitates them both. Again, this is the kind of shit that they really couldn't do in the first Star Wars, because this one got a PG-13 rating, which they knew they had to do that anyway, because they were going to burn the shit out of Anakin. But, like, I think they kind of kept Phantom Menace light by making them droids. And, you know, it's the most, like, kid-friendly of the of the six movies. I feel like it's, you know, a little bit just lighter in general than all of the Star Wars movies. Does it bother anybody that after the Jedi were defeated that the rest of the allies just kind of gave up? Well, who that, were the allies? I mean, like, the, the Wookiees. That's the one that I have. 
But I mean, and, and the Senate just kind of went with it. Nobody questioned how these things happen. Um, you would think in a democracy well, the, that somebody would question this stuff. Well, that's the thing. That was the point. It's like the in the Senate, everybody cheered for this, you know, reorganization of the because um, they didn't know what they were in the for. galaxy, right? He would they think that somebody would thing. question it somewhere. Thought, you know, this this political leader, Palpatine, was incredibly charismatic. Everybody loved him. You know, nobody knew like all the horrible shit that he had going on behind the scenes. So, like, when he said, this is what we're going to do, it turns out the Jedi were evil. Everybody's like, fuck yeah. And would, people did w- question it, and then Alderaan got blown up. Would Obi-Wan and Yoda give up? I mean, I know that they're pretty See, watching, defeated, but it feels it, like they just were like... last time last week, I felt like they quit real easy. You know, Yoda and the Emperor had that big fight in the Senate chamber. And at the end, Yoda was kind of just like, oh well, Jimmy Smith's going to get me, I'm out here. And then they dip, and they're like, "All right, we." Well, what we're out. should Yoda have done? Gone back and fought more with all the clones about I to mean, show up. He didn't have his lightsaber anymore. But he went off into isolation. I mean, I don't, don't know. you think it that he like, should have tried to do something? I mean, he's still it like they could at that point a powerful Jedi master. There still that, should have been other Jedi out in the universe to rally together to try to. Like, I mean, did the, everybody the for real get killed with no, I think, yeah, like it I wasn't think the that there were a number of Jedi that, that, like, dispersed. And that, I think, is... I mean, at least in the comics they touch on this. That's where Darth Vader goes out and he hunts down the Jedi. This is what they're talking about. And that's about. what Episode Three should have been. Darth Vader in the Perhaps. suits killing Jedi. Perhaps. Um, the ending point, though, was so perfect for it. And if you didn't end it that way, then... I mean, like, Vader going out and killing all the Jedi is kind of, like, superficial. I mean, it, the, the story is about you got to get the twins born by the end and have the Republic crumble into nothing. But if you're going to have Vader at all, isn't that something that would be exciting to see in a movie about Darth Vader? Yes, but I think the climax of the movie, to have that weight and that power, you have to have the Obi-Wan and Anakin fight as the, the finale. I think see, I think we could have had it again. Like, there's the one where Obi-Wan chops him up, and then at the end of 3, you get Darth Vader in the suit versus Obi-Wan, and this time Darth Vader sends him back in. Maybe, like, well, Obi-Wan just maybe. can't handle him. That's why and Obi- that's why Obi-Wan goes into seclusion, because he knows, like, by that point, it really is him and Yoda. And their only course of action is is going to hide. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I guess they just skip a step and they realize their only course of action is to go and meditate for 20 years until Luke is ready to to take down the Emperor. It's like, I'm going to cross my fingers. This baby's going to be badass. That's, a, that's a gamble. That's exactly what they did. That's a gamble. But it paid off. They didn't have Hence, a choice. the original trilogies, which we'll talk about next week. That's right, folks. Uh, whopping prequel podcast this evening. I think we're all still friends. I think so. We all kept it pretty yeah. civil. It's very civil. Even though the cops came. Even though even though we had a visit from not only Pizza, our uh, lovely pizza sponsors tonight, but the Whitehall PD. You nerds keep it down in there. Well, folks, my name is Paul McGinty. Ian Sharpley. Flygon Cassell. And we will talk to you next week for 
our second portion of the uh, Star Wars podcast, the original trilogy. We'll see you next time.